This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. And it is, well, it's business day today on WST. We came through yesterday, was not able to happen because of the firearm chaos before the show. But you all came through on Monday with our biggest show ever. So we're coming through with suit day today on WST. Um, Going to be lots of fun. It's also National Hot Dog Day. You know I've got takes on that. Um, but the main course for this show today is going to be some more Jets offseason talk with Sean Reynolds, who's going to join us from the Okanagan. Rainey, very kindly jumping on with us to give us his take on the latest around the Jets offseason. And Brandon Rewicki is going to come on as well. And then a little later on in the show, heading into Friday, where the Bombers will be taking on the Edmonton Elks. Rookie sensation, uh, Blue Bomber receiver Dalton Schoen makes his first appearance on WST. So uh, should be fun. I'm not sure whether we'll have too much for the cool bet lines later. We're going to have to talk CFL and maybe look at the 3M Open in golf because this is traditionally the most dead day of the year on the sports calendar. But that doesn't mean we don't have lots to talk about here on WST. Uh, a big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Couldn't do it without you, including, of course, Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club, Assiniboia Downs, the Nick and Nicky DQ, BP, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health, Fresh Market, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, and, of course, our friends out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Uh, let's uh, welcome in live from the boardroom, Michael Remus to get this program going on. What's up, dude? Yeah, just uh, here getting my uh, typewriting done, feeling good. Uh, <laughs> I'm here, here live from the boardroom in my suit. So, I'm Shout feel- out to you for, I thought you would for sure at least wear a hat today. <laughs> With no, the suit. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't think, I don't think, I'm not an NHL player, Huss. I'm not, wasn't going to put on a toque. With the suit. <laughs> so did a little hairspray. And... Not going to half-ass it. Yeah, you know, the lid looks pretty good. Still hanging in there. Yeah. yeah. Although you're going to probably hang in there forever. Seeing the incredible quaff on your dad, I think you've been blessed. Follically blessed. You're not going to be, uh, you won't be having balding issues, I think, until, uh, well, maybe, you know, maybe your children will make your hair don't, fall out. Don't that, jinx- could, that could be something that could happen. Don't jinx anything. But, yeah, we're feeling good. We said it was, we put it on suits. Monday show, we got over it. Not only did we get to 300 likes, we had, like, 500. I think maybe even six. <laughs> yeah, the had to do it. Monday's show has 10K views <laughs> on it. And we had, um, like, our biggest day ever for podcast downloads yesterday so um it may be as you said the slowest day on the sports calendar after the all-star game but lots going on i mean even i was playing hockey last night and even in our dressing room we're all talking about dubois what's happening with him (laughs) matthew kachuk it's funny we got our own drama here we've been focused on but calgary like the sky is falling there i know pat steinberg's going to join us tomorrow but um it's it's crazy what's happening here with um you know, teams that were pretty good before, and now Calgary's really just falling off a cliff. 
Uh, yeah, it is not an enviable situation what's happening in Southern Alberta right now. And and after the season that the Flames had, we're going into the playoffs. Many people thought that they would be the Stanley Cup champions. Uh, yeah, <laughs> shout out to Wrench Doozers <laughs> with the super chat WST Eye Candy Edition. Wow, did the suits clean us up that well? I will say this. Um, being a person that, you know, used to work on the other side, uh, you know, within the Moose organization and Hockey Canada and whatnot. Um, I had to wear a suit for the better part of, I don't know, a dozen, maybe 15 years. And there is nothing better about the lifestyle now of this. And even frankly, back at the old radio station to be able to almost never put one of these things on. I will say though, Remo, and if you can see, I still can tie a tie pretty darn well. Check out that dimple right in the middle. I, we may need to do some WST, I don't know, maybe a special tie-tying video. We could probably get a lot of views on YouTube for that. That is exactly the sort of thing where people don't know how to do it, and they would go to YouTube to figure out how do I tie a tie. We could make that happen. Yeah, well, I've been wanting to do more how-to videos, so, <laughs> I mean, tying a tie. And shout out to Kenny's Water Bottle. KWB, what's chat. up? Wow, that's... I feel like I suddenly owe you guys money. <laughs> no, that's only Ryan Friesen. You're good. <laughs> You're good. And people are asking if we're wearing pants. Uh, I'm wearing I'm wearing sweatpants. I wasn't going to ruin my suit pants sitting here. I'm going to be honest. Like, <laughs> I want to be comfortable. I don't know. I'm So I'm wearing sweat. I'm wearing my regular sweatpants. I'm, 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 James Robinson, I want to know if the guys are wearing, lads are wearing slacks or suit shorts. Suit shorts, John Lou style, everybody. I love the fact that that is, in fact, borderline acceptable right now. And I'll tell you what, the other thing that I am, I could not be more in support of uh, that has been somewhat of a fashion trend is wearing runners with suits. Um, anything that I have to wear a suit to going forward, I'm going to see if I can get away with wearing, you know, some nice comfortable shoes as opposed to, uh, as opposed to that. So anyways, we could talk about this all day, but there are a bunch of other things to talk about. And that of course is national hot dog day. Uh, listen, before we get to everything, uh, by the way, I don't know what's going on, but Mal Paris and I are now seemingly on the same wa same wavelength on so many takes. Uh, we were discussing line A and, and the line A situation going back. We're exactly on the same page on that. And Maul, very correctly, earlier in chat, noting that ketchup has no place on a hot dog for adults at least. And uh, Remo, if you want to maybe get this up, I was on Nielsen's show yesterday, did the lock shop, and then today I jumped on. I was just listening to it a little bit, and they were talking some CFL with Marshall Ferguson and got going on on hot dogs. And both of them... Big time ketchup on hot dog, guys. And uh, Remo, if you want to bring the tweet up right now, as I said, not a big cancel guy, but uh, I don't think TSN has any other option uh, but to immediately reprimand both Dustin Nielsen and Marshall Ferguson for their endorsement of ketchup on hot dogs. Not a big cancel guy, but in this case, it seems appropriate. Not sure how TSN can trot these guys out on national TV after this this morning uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek although it is a hill i will die on and i did for those of you that are wondering this is not just a personal take this is based on the guidance of the national hot dog and sausage council check my twitter the queen of ween put out a video talking about all the do's and don'ts when it comes to hot dogs and entertaining and maybe the most important one 
right there. You see it. 1.30 into the video. Catch up on hot dogs. Apparently could get you arrested in Chicago for that. So, uh, uh, But listen, before we get to the more important sports talk and welcome everyone in, I would love to hear from people in the chat about where the best hot dog is in the city. I've been thinking, I saw Frank the Tank video this morning. It was like one of the first things I saw when I uh, got on the online this morning. And it got me thinking about hot dogs. I didn't realize that it was National Hot Dog Day till a little bit later on. And had we not had some things with the show going on beforehand, I was actually trying to see if I could pull Whip over to VJ's and grab a dog before the show. It didn't happen. I'll have one later. When I think of hot dogs, I'm probably, I would initially lean to one of two places, VJ's, who I just mentioned, downtown, and Dairy Whip on Marion. The buns on the Dairy Whip dogs are maybe a little different than a VJ's one. The dogs themselves are very similar. I mean, Greek, Winnipeg style, mustard, um, chili, onions, pickle. Uh, but I would love to know where, well, the jet dogs, of course, listen, jet dogs, if there was a, if the jet dogs were available 365, you could just pop in at any time. I would have one a week for sure. Um, but alas, that is not the case. Maybe that's a way the true North can make some more money, sell some more jet dogs outside of it. Um, but yeah, Larry suit shorts, runners with suits, ketchup on hot dogs and burgers what is happening here <laughs> lots going on um let's see here uh skinner's lockport definitely a popular spot i have had a skinner's dog those are good before although i'll tell you what i've driven out a couple times to lockport and i know skinner's and the half moon are the big spots i go to sonia's stand sonia's stand is an absolutely elite drive-in one of the best drive-in burgers i've ever had awesome fries as well uh, but again, we're talking hot dogs. So if you have a suggestion on where your favorite hot dog is in Winnipeg, hit that up in the chat right now on YouTube. Remo, what's your take on that? If, if Going out for a hot dog or making one at home? Yeah, it is National Hot Dog Day. We're going to celebrate, start the show here, July 2022. And I want to say I'm not here to cancel anyone um, for food takes. If someone's going to like you know, a certain topping on a pizza or on a hot dog, um, let them enjoy what they enjoy. However, however, when he told me that Nielsen has put uh, ketchup on his steak recently, <laughs> like I started gagging. So uh, I draw the line there. Uh, yeah, I joke about people with that put ketchup on hot dogs as having the palate of an eight or nine year old. Nielsen legitimately does yes. have the palate. He and Brian Munz essentially are... <laughs> man children when it comes to eating um no vegetables just you know a, a small rotation of a few items essentially you know the big kids version of chicken fingers and fries for 40 year old men that are doing quite well in everywhere else in life with the exception of developing as adults when it comes to food yeah so i mean for me when i'm going to the grocery store i, I enjoy winkler winkler meats the one with the bomber logo um, they make a good dog. I've served them at some barbecues, and everyone's asking, "What kind of, what kind of dog is this?" But usually, when I'm at uh, what Winnipeg Beach at Salty's, I usually hit up hit up there. Nice foot long, um, Costco dog in the rotation. Although I have to admit, it's gone downhill when they give you the mustard in a packet. That's a big no no. And they used to give you onions. They don't give you that anymore. So the, the Costco dog's really going downhill. 
I am here. Listen, I will stand. I will die on the hill of no ketchup on the dog. But Maul is coming through. This I will try this. Hickory sticks on a hot dog are underrated. You should try it, Huss. Maul, I will do exactly that. I've always been a hickory, hickory sticks guy. And I have had some, you know, you know those, you know, you go to some of those places. We used to have that Dingo's Dogs on Cordon. And I know there was one downtown as well that had all sorts of bizarre. I never did have the peanut butter and jelly hot dog. That one was a little bit gross, but they did have some that had crushed up chips. So I will get to that. Anyways, thoughts on your favorite dog in Winnipeg. Um, and by the way, the dogs at the Bomber Games are amazing as well. I had a couple. I, I raw dogged one two two weeks ago. There was no condiments in the uh, uh, in the, uh, the loge that I was in. Um, but I couldn't believe how good it was. Normally, I would have minimum mustard on a hot dog. But um, anyway, it's great. So we'll celebrate dogs today. Uh, but let's get to it, Reem. We're going to talk more on the Jets and the Dubois situation. We'll get Rennie's take on everything. And Rowicki had some funny takes on uh, the latest edition of Skates and Plates on all of this. So Brandon will come on a little later on. And then, of course, we will talk with Blue Bombers with Dalton Schoen, the newest member of the club. Looking forward to that. I actually got a chance to catch up with him yesterday after the program. So won't be in the suit for that one. Um, but Rima, why don't we start off with this? Um, Matthew Kachuk. Now, I was pretty adamant considering what we've learned about this Dubois situation. I thought it was in the Jets' best interest to, to file for team-elected arbitration. They've decided not to do that. I'm not sure it'll have a huge difference either way. Um, but, listen, if you watch the last couple of shows, you sort of know where I stand on this. The Flames' decision to do this is a little more interesting in that this is the final year of team control. And it has all, certainly talking to people and listening to people in and around Calgary, including Eric Francis, who's one of the lead insiders on the Calgary Flames, it sounds like it's all but certain that Matthew Kachuk is going to be traded. And from a Flames perspective, all I can say is I don't blame them. Uh, this is not something that they want to do, but they absolutely need to get a deadline this summer to see whether they can sign Matthew Kachuk to a long-term extension. And if they can't, they're going to have to trade him to get something for it because as devastating as it was losing Johnny Gaudreau for nothing, um, you're compounding things if the exact same thing happens with Matthew Kachuk. And, you know, at least Flames fans got to enjoy last season for what it was without knowing the doom and gloom around the team that was going to come after the year. And obviously a horrible ending to the season for them, losing to their arch rivals, Edmonton Oilers, in the first battle of Alberta in 31 years. Um, but for Brad Treleving, he, like many other Canadian general managers, and we certainly know the feeling here in Winnipeg, um, being forced into doing something that they don't want to do. And listen, I can't I can't blame the Calgary Flames for going down this route. They didn't lose Johnny Gaudreau because of money. They did everything they absolutely could to keep him in the fold. It didn't work out right now. They can't get burned again. And now we're going to be having some pretty interesting rumblings in and around the league as to what happens with Matthew Kachuk in the very near future. Yeah, I thought the hot stuff was supposed to cool down after free agency. It seems like it's just... Only heat up. Um, you know, the Nazem Kadri watch, ongoing John Klingberg, still wondering about him. There's some other free Nino Niederreiter, but Calgary now is front and center of the hockey world with Johnny Gaudreau's departure to Columbus, of all places, and he put out the long letter in the Players' Tribune today. But Matthew Kachuk, what's going to happen? Eric Francis saying, um, you know, he thinks that he's going to go, you know, I think, you know, if you want to go with the going home narrative, St. Louis seems like the place... For him, we all know Keith Kachuk uh, played for the Blues. They grew up in St. Louis. You know, they have a lot of young players. Is St. Louis looking to put together a package for Matthew Kachuk, who would then sign 
an extension with the Blues? Because I, I would think that if you're going to give up a lot, you're banking on the extension. Um, you know, the who? Jordan Cairo, I've seen floated out there. He's got one more year left. And then as an RFA, he's going to need a raise. They did just sign Robert Thomas to this long, uh, long extension that kicks in next season. I think the Blues seems to make a lot of sense. What about um, Tarasenko? Rumored as well. Uh, he wants out. Would they deal? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what kind of package you need to get a guy like Matthew Kachuk and then sign him long term. So we're, I don't think we're on, we're not quite on Kachuk watch here because, like, we don't think he's going to come here. It's not like trots, but I think it would definitely change the landscape of whatever division he's going to. Um, you know, if he goes there, I mean, but he's going to go, what, to the Ottawa to the east of have a Kachuk bros on one team that would be <laughs> that would be pretty wild I don't think that's gonna happen so I think St. Louis would be would be cool although I mean they are in the Jets division and I, I do believe that the central not quite what it used to be with two teams blatantly tanking not trying to win Arizona Chicago so well yeah we'll have to wait and see you know a couple things on, on Kachuk um certainly St. Louis is a logical landing spot and I'm sure that might have been the first call that Brad Living made knowing that they probably have the best chance of signing him to a long-term extension right now um if you are making this deal in the off season so St. Louis makes a lot of sense I did talk with somebody that said keep an eye on St. Louis um in relation to that Robert Thomas contract in that you know, if you're Calgary and you can get a player like Thomas that's already signed to an eight-year deal, um, I mean, that's what a team like Calgary wants right now. That's what a team like Winnipeg wants right now. One of the biggest reasons why we've heard the name Nick Suzuki named as a target of Winnipeg if they were going to make a trade with the Montreal Canadiens is the fact that he's got seven more years on his deal and you don't have to go through um, what Calgary has just gone through and what the Jets are dealing with right now with unrestricted players. I mean, you know, you if you're getting players back, you want them to have some term on the deal. Um, and obviously, you're not going to get much more than a seven-year term. So Robert Thomas would be interesting. The only thing I think about is, does St. Louis want to give up Robert Thomas to get Matthew Kachuk, knowing that if they do play it out and wait it out just for this one season, and he does hit unrestricted free agency, they'll have a very good chance of signing him. And of course, Tarasenko... His money will be off the books next year, so that's a big chunk of money that they could then put towards Matthew Kachuk to get him to sign. The other team that's very interesting to me, Remo, but I think he would be a perfect addition to the team is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, I'm not sure what they'd have to do. You're probably talking about at least giving up a Nylander uh, to get him. And I think for the one year, that certainly makes sense. Um Obviously, there is risk involved if you do bring a player in for one year and you don't get him to stick around. But when you look at what the Leafs have and what they don't have, uh, there's a lot of teams, frankly, that don't have a guy like Matthew Kachuk that's obviously a star player, very offensively skilled, but brings so many of those other elements that as the game has gotten faster and more skilled, um, many teams are lacking. Yeah, and Kachuk, I mean, he had a record season, uh, Matthew Kachuk, over 100 points and... I would have to think he's going to take a step back this year without Johnny Goodrow there. Um, so I, I think if you're Matthew Kachuk, you want to cash in on a long-term deal now. 104 points. Previous high was 77 in 18 and 18, 19. Um, and he is, I agree, he's the type of player you want to have in the playoffs. Uh, I think some, maybe some Flames fans did get upset at his play in the 
Battle of Alberta there and the lack of production in that series. But, uh, I mean, overall, I mean, he's, what, 10 points and 12 games in the playoffs? But, I mean, he's a guy a lot of teams want, that type of player. You know, he's a guy who, you always say it, hate him when he's on the other team, but he's on your team. You, you love the guy. So I'm curious what's going to happen. Sounds like, look, they took him to arbitration. Maybe they'll work out a deal before, or they go to arbitration, he gets a year, or, or they trade him. So there's a couple options. But, I mean, at least with this one, Huss, there is a deadline here with the arbitration uh, hearing when that gets set, and you'll have something here. It's not like here in Pierre-Luc Dubois where there was no, they didn't go for team-elected arbitration. And now we're kind of just like, all right, when's, when's this going to get done? Like, I don't, yeah. so I, I mean, I don't know. We could be waiting for a while. Well, I mean, they, they're going to get an arbitration date. They could work out a one-year deal before then, obviously. Um, I think it's pretty clear, at least from everything you're hearing in Calgary, the Kachuk camp is planning on, you know, getting to unrestricted free agency. And to be honest, listen, the Johnny Gaudreau thing, I'll admit, was a surprise. Considering how aggressive Calgary was to keep him, the offer that was on the table, I'm surprised that he left 15 mil on the table to leave. I mean, that's just my opinion. Some people may share differently. Um I've been expecting Matthew Kachuk to be gone at the end of this deal ever since he signed his last one. And that was the three-year deal at an AAV of $7 million. But what was key was the fact that the salary last year was $9 million, which meant that that was his qualifying offer this year. And by the team electing arbitration, the floor of Kachuk's salary is still $9 million. bucks. I mean, I, I think he's basically playing for $9 million this year. I'd be surprised if it was above that. Um but it does take out the opportunity of an offer sheet in the meantime with the Calgary Flames, and I think they can work on the trade that makes the most sense for them. So as we mentioned, uh, my pals Pat Steinberg, uh, nobody closer to the Flames than Pat, is going to join the program tomorrow. Um, and we're also going to have a couple other big stories. I've been waiting, holding off, kind of getting too much into this Hockey Canada story this week. We spent quite a bit of time talking about it in the last couple. Uh, but many, many of the players, as I suggested was about to happen, um, have come out. And if they've been able to plead their innocence and clear their names, they've done their best to do that. Um, so by process of elimination... Um, People are sort of seeing the people that were involved or at least are believed to have been involved. Um, and this is getting to a, a a very serious point. And the National Hockey League's doing their investigation as well. Um, Scott Stinson is going to be on the program tomorrow to discuss that. And um, I mean, listen, I kind of understand that, you know, people on the Internet, there's a lot of sleuthing going on right now. And it's not very difficult to uh, eliminate some names and figure out you know, who is in question. Um, and of course, the lawyers are out. And, you know, many people, I mean, some of the individuals have made their own statements saying, I was not there, I was not involved, I will or did cooperate with the investigation. And then others were seeing, you know, my, you know, their lawyer putting out my client was not involved in any wrongdoing. And um, sometimes it gets a little tricky. So that is something that we will spend some considerable time on tomorrow. If you've been wondering why this week, I mean, there's just been so much stuff on a Winnipeg level with Dubois and obviously with the Bombers. So that is going to be something that's on the show tomorrow. And before the end of the week, Scott Burnside as well. If you want to head over to Daily Faceoff, uh, you can check out an interesting piece from Burnside on something that hits very close to home. It's the challenges that Canadian teams right now are having signing players, especially from the United States. 
Um, but to be honest, I think there's a lot of Canadian players that prefer to play in the United States right now. So maybe that's a, a bigger problem. Then when you combine in the no trade clauses in, um, in, in so many contracts right now, um, you know, we're on the verge of having, if it isn't already getting to sort of, you know, some second class cities that, um, you know, have a much harder time fielding competitive teams and certainly keeping their players, as we'll be discussing in a few minutes. Sean Reynolds is going to come up in just a couple minutes. Hey, before we do that, uh, big shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. who have got great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Get your barbecue on this summer with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken, not to mention hot dogs, burgers, and great options for your barbecue, including non-alcoholic drink options like sober carpenter beer and clever mocktails, everything you need for a great summer day. Uh, and of course, they've also got those incredible delicious lunch options like Vita Market salad salad, soup, sandwiches, and more. Special nod to the falafel salad, which is incredibly popular. Uh, you can check them out online and shop online at myvita.ca or pop by at one of seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Well, uh, you saw how good Remus is looking today. That is one of his... Uh, new F apparel suits. I'm going to be getting my new one in about two or three weeks after being suited up a couple weeks ago by Andrew and the gang. If you, uh, if, if you're looking at this show today going, damn, I need to get a suit for the upcoming fall. I'm going to need one. It's been two years in the pandemic. I haven't put one on. Get on down to F apparel custom suit starting at just $400 and a great deal right now for summer. Three shirts, $210 fitted for you. Any style, the gang at F's ready for you. 190 Smith Street downtown. Check them out online at fapparel.com. And hey, if you're involved in a wedding party, talk to the fellas. 15% off for the entire party when you get your suits over at F Apparel. And of course, Wallace and Wallace is busy right now. I mean, he, their fences are everywhere in the city. Um, but also many people taking advantage of the summer to work on their overhead doors on their garage. Um, the have been the best and uh, the biggest selection of overhead garage doors, but also boathouse doors. If you're out on the lake over the course of the weekend and one catches your eye, chances are it's a Wallace and Wallace boathouse door. Find out more on everything they can do for your home, garage, or the cottage by giving them a call at 452-2700. They'll also help you with the service call if your boathouse or a garage door needs a little TLC. Wallace and Wallace wallacefences.com wallacedoors.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston and uh, our next guest is joining a little holiday time we're going to be getting away in a couple weeks out to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge I've been salivating over the monster fish they've been pulling out on the social media feeds make sure to give them a follow at Aikens Lake and if you're thinking about an amazing fly-in fishing destination where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg Aikens Lake is the spot our great friend Pitt Turen and his wonderful family running the show. Talk to them about a family or a corporate booking for next season right now. Find them online at Aikens Lake. All right. Uh, I'm so pumped to have our next guest on, one of our favorites, who's kind enough to join us while spending a little bit of time out in the Okanagan. The uh, the sun umbrella is up and Rennie is on. And uh, Rennie, I knew you were coming. This was a special occasion, so we dressed up for you. What's up? gonna say you look pretty dapper my friend yeah it doesn't happen very often we got uh we got arm twisted in by the chat on monday uh they said if we get to 300 likes you guys have to wear suits and i'm like yeah okay fine 
And then, obviously, thanks to Pat Brisson and PLD, we had the biggest show ever. Got well over five. We had a thousand people in the room at that time. I we knew saw that. It was due. Awesome. It was due. Well, Sky, I mean, listen, you and I are the same. I mean, you're obviously getting all the feedback from when you're doing things on television where you might not get the same feedback. But, I mean, it's no different with the Kenny and Rennie shows. I mean, this offseason for the Winnipeg Jets has been nonstop. And, hey, listen, yeah. selfishly, it's been great for us. But this past weekend, the past couple of weeks, with everything that we've been hearing since the leak to Elliot Friedman, that Dubois was going to be going to unrestricted free agency, and everything that transpired over the last couple of weeks, the report that Dubois and family were at the draft expecting to be traded to the Montreal Can uh, Canadiens. No kidding, Winnipeg Jet fans were up in arms and ready to talk and hear about it um, come on uh, on Monday. Monday. Um, where are you at with all this, Ren? I mean, uh, and what have you been hearing from people and what's sort of your take on where the Jets are at with another significant challenge in an offseason that still has some pretty important things that need to get done? Oh, we got, uh, hold on a sec, Sean. I think you might be muted. We lost his, uh, there you, go. you got yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. We're good now. Okay. I was going to say, um, like, I think if you're Kevin Shovel day off, you're probably a little bit happy that the Kachuk situation is happening. Cause it takes a little bit of heat <laughs> off you. You know what I mean? Like this is an absolute disaster in Calgary. And so it's a little bit less so in Winnipeg, but it's a tough situation. I think this is really interesting. The whole idea of, of neither side going for salary arbitration. I just, I've said this before, that if this is a game of cards, the Jets have the ultimate trump card in that, you know, they've got Pierre-Luc Dubois under contract for the next two years. So that's the ultimate trump card. But Pierre-Luc Dubois' camp has every other card in the deck to use to kind of weaken the Jets' position in this situation. I see this now, the, the situation as it is, this is a two-year window the Jets have, right? Because that's how long they've got Pierre-Luc Dubois, but it's also how long they've got Connor Hellebuck and, Blake Wheeler, who knows what's going on with that situation, and Mark Shifley. But that's a small window. And the Jets have decided that they're going to, for the most part, they're going to try and remain a winner. They're not talking about taking Pierre-Luc Dubois and moving him for futures. They want to get the equivalent of Pierre-Luc Dubois back right now so they can try and do something this year. But what that means is there's a very finite two-year window here. And so Pierre-Luc Dubois now, if he goes into negotiations this fall, and decides he doesn't like what he hears, you know, well, you don't sign the contract and then maybe you don't make it for the first couple games of the season. Then maybe you don't make it for the first couple weeks of the season. And you got to think if the Jets who need a good year and need to get a good start, don't get out to a good start because they don't have their second line center in the lineup. That just adds more and more cards into Pierre-Luc Dubois' hands so that the waiting game does not bode well for the Winnipeg Jets in this. I know they want to make sure that they get a good return back and get it right now, but it's tough to do that because it sounds like the only team he wants to go to is the Montreal Canadiens. So the rest of the league probably isn't interested in picking them up because then they're just making Kevin Chevaldeo's problem their problem for the next two years. And the Canadians aren't going to be a great team next year, so they can wait. They can wait to unrestricted free agency and just pick them up at that time and pay them whatever they decide to pay them. At that time, there's just there's one card that the Jets have to play. But other than that, this is a tough situation. And I, you know, if Kevin Chevaldeoff holds on to this and pulls like a Joe Sackick with the Duchesne kind of situation, where we're all sitting here thinking, what's taking so long? He should probably move him and get whatever he can. If he pulls that out, I'll come back and I'll say like phenomenal job by Kevin Chevaldeoff. He knew what we were he was doing the whole time. The rest of us had no clue. 
But this is looking really, really tough for Kevin Cheveldayoff. And I know that people don't want him traded. The, the worst part about this, Huss, is whatever they get in return for Pierre-Luc Dubois, the Jets fan base is going to say, we traded Patrick Laine for this. It's such a tough spot to be in. Hmm. But I don't see a path to getting equal value for Pierre-Luc Dubois or Patrick Laine in a trade like this because there's just too many cards the other camp has. Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, I will agree with you. Although the one thing that's so strange about this, Rennie, is that this never happens. I mean, I was listening to Brian Hayes on Overdrive yesterday talk about it. We had a good chat with Dave Poulin. Like, agents with players that have two years left under team control don't start going to the media and talking about how excited or how much they want to play for another team albeit, yeah. oh, because they're an RFA. I mean, the way this has been done and the public nature of how it's been done, I think has done an incredible disservice to Pierre-Luc Dubois because I'm with you. I don't see, barring an offer that knocks Kevin Day off socks off right now, I don't see a trade happening with Dubois before the season. And they, for better or worse, have turned him. I mean, it was a WWE-style heel turn, at least to the Winnipeg Jets organization and the fan base. That's certainly the way it's been taken. And for a guy that's had his issues in Columbus and came here and had a strong year next, last year, um, he will be graded, I think, barring some sort of a change very differently or maybe they're going to have to have a nice sit-down interview and uh, couch everything before in and around training camp and get things out. But I really don't understand. I, well, I think that they must have thought that they were going to be able to get this done and make this happen right now because you don't do that knowing the other side of it, which could be a very, very difficult situation for Dubois. But listen, you talk about the potential of him holding out. I... um was pretty clear on Monday's show. I was hoping to hear the Winnipeg Jets decided to do what the Calgary Flames did and elect for team arbitration. If you know right. that there's two years left to team control, nothing's changing that. You could get some cost certainty. I think it might have helped them if they were going to be trading him at the deadline to a team that would get him for a playoff and another full year and two playoffs, having the cost certainty. Any thoughts on why the Jets opted not to go down that route? Well, what do you think the benefit of them was to not do that? Uh, I, I the only thing I can think is that they're trying to de-escalate the situation because yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. It it would have given them so much more control to do it in this manner. Um, and, and the only thing I can think is that they're trying to say, okay, whoa, whoa, let's throw it in Olive Branch. You know, I think they still want to maybe try and make this work. Um, but but to your point about the way that this is all unfolded, I just think the whole idea of a fan base being upset with Pierre Luc Dubois you know, because of this, the heel turn, as you called it, which I, I entirely agree with. If you bring him back, then you bring him back into that environment where he's playing in front of a group of fans. He's essentially said, thank you, and I appreciate you, but I don't want to play in front of you. I'd rather be playing in front of a different fan group. And Huss, I just think this ends up being, I, as rough as that sounds and as bad a situation as it sounds to be a player playing in that, I think, again, it's tougher on the team, and it's just another card that Pierre-Luc Dubois agent holds in this situation because the jets need to sell tickets right now they need to have an engaged fan base they can't have a fan base that's saying i'm not going there to support this guy who doesn't want to be here like they can't have anything around that fans are going to turn their nose up to or have to plug their nose and go buy tickets they want reasons to be excited mm -hmm. and having a centerman that you're going to be watching knowing he's going to be leaving at some point and doesn't really want to be here right now I don't think that makes things, you know, exciting for fans or that's not a that's not a sales 
ticket or a ticket sales feature. So uh, th this situation, I just think the, the more it's, it, it's funny, you ask me about the Jets, the only thing I can think about the Jets with that strategy is to de-escalate. But every single thing that I see happening on the other side of things on Dubois side is, is escalating, constantly turning up the pressure on this situation. And I think just trying to force a move. I mean, clearly coming out and having the news leak that you are going to be leaving in two years is a pressure tactic. Everything that I've seen from Pierre-Luc Dubois is a message saying, I'm going to be leaving two years from now. You should probably move me as quick as you can. And that's every move that I see looks like that to me. It looks like a move by, by Brisson to, to turn up the heat and say, listen, I know you've got him for two more years. You'd be better off moving him down the road. Yeah, I know the market isn't what you want it to be right now. It would still be better for you to move him right now. That's the best bet for you to do. Well, and that's what I agree 100%. And that's why the tactics they, they've used make no sense. And listen, Pat Brisson, respect. I mean, he's Sidney Crosby's agent. This is one of the yeah. most respected guys in the game. We've never seen this sort of a move before. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think they've overplayed their hand because if they want, if they wanted to facilitate getting him traded, doing this publicly only puts more pressure on Kevin Sheveldayoff to make sure they don't look not only to their fan base, but also to the other 31 general managers that they can be manipulated and pushed around like that. And to your point, I mean, listen, they're not in a great, they're not in a better situation to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois today than they were three weeks ago after They'd mentioned that he's going to UFA and now this target of Montreal. Some teams won't care. Some teams are thinking about the next two years. And I think that will certainly be the case at the trade deadline. Um, but others will be saying, hey, we don't want to give the assets that deservedly you should give up to get a Pierre-Luc Dubois if the next thing that is going to happen is that we're going to lose him in two years. So I'm not sure that they've done anything productive when it comes to actually helping him get out of Winnipeg if that's the end goal. Oh, the mute went back on, Sean. Sorry, I knew I, I thought that happened. This is what it accomplishes. It creates this stalemate, this stalemate type situation between Dubois' camp and Chevaldeoff's camp that the longer it festers, just the worse it is. Like, I, I don't think it's a good look for Kevin Chevaldeoff to be stuck in a stalemate with Pierre Luc Dubois throughout the entire season. It's just another distraction in a room that had way too many distractions and problems next year. Like, this is a team that's trying to heal. It's a team that's trying to get its dressing room right. It got a coach that does a great job of doing that. And the one thing I come back to through all of this is, I know a lot of this is a bad situation. I just come back to thinking, I think Rick Bonus is a phenomenal hire. And if anyone is going to handle this kind of situation, he's one of the coaches out there that could do this. And so maybe if you're Kevin Cheveldale, it's okay to get in a stalemate because you've got the guy that you think is going to smooth it over. I just think this is a really crucial year for the Winnipeg Jets. There was problems in the room. It looks like at this stage, Huss, that that Kevin Cheveldayoff could very much run it back in a room that we've heard from the inside. People don't think they should be running it back in. Um, and, and you're trying to show to your fans like that your 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 stars care and they're engaged. That's the message you're trying to send to them. You're trying to send to them that listen, you pay good, hard earn dollars to watch this team so we're going to make sure we get a team full of engaged players who are going to give you your money's worth and having this stalemate with a player that doesn't want to be there does not send that message and i just think that this is another tactic 
that the Jets are kind of kind of limped into the offseason. They're limping through the offseason now. And now if they go limping into the regular season with this hanging over their heads, I just think it's not a look that gets fans excited about the year. And the Jets as an organization need the fans to come back and be excited and have reasons to believe. And hanging on to a center that doesn't want to be there doesn't send that message, in my opinion. No, I I, I agree with you on it. Um, but at the same time, I think most Jet fans, it, it, this is sort of funny because we all know that the fan base has been somewhat divided. There's been some people that, you know, have been very, very negative for a long time. Some people have sort of got there. And there's some people that are, you know, still optimistic about the players that they have. This whole Dubois situation, at least from my perspective and what we've been seeing on the show here, has been the one thing that's almost brought this fan base together as much <laughs> yeah. as much as anything. And, you know, yeah, there's a screw you mentality, but people realize that um, they're not dumb. They realize this is a challenging market to be in when it comes to the, the broad scape of the scope of the National Hockey League. And no one wants to sit back and see the team be taken advantage of or forced into do something that they don't. So I think if they do play hardball, if they had gone to arbitration, if they'd done all those things, that would have been supported big time. But to your point, Sean, um, and I say this, you know, personally, as someone that buys tickets and spends my money on the team and goes there and sits in the stands, I think at this point, despite the fact that I know the talent on the team, everything that happened last year, the fact that Blake Wheeler reportedly wants out and they're trying to work him, what happened with Shifley at the end of last year, the situation with Dubois, me personally, I would be absolutely in support of them maybe making a change of course, making some moves that are not necessarily for this year, that look ahead to the future, uh, that try to get players here, that embrace being in Winnipeg, that want to be in Winnipeg Jets, that will be here for the long haul. And I think fans would be able to handle that. They know exactly what the case is, and it may make for a less competitive team in the short term, but it's going to happen at some point. I mean, you've talked about these t times. Like, if it's not now, it's in two years Right. And there's not a lot of people that I think that look right now with everything that's happening internally that think that Rick Bonus is going to be able to come in, wave a magic wand, make everybody happy and go out and play like the potential that this team has on paper. So I love this point and I'm going to bring it back to Dubois in this because I think this is interesting. So I, you can't call it a holdout because he doesn't have a contract, but if Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't have a contract and things stretch out a little bit like they did with Jacob Truba, and he's not there to start the season, and the Jets stumble out of the gates in a year that they're going to have a tough time making it to the playoffs, that puts a whole bunch of pressure right away on Kevin Dayoff. Or if you bring back Pierre-Luc Dubois, and he's maybe not as motivated, or this whole situation affects him because he knows that the fans are upset with him or whatever, and he doesn't perform, and the Jets don't do well, this is a two-year window. And if you don't get out to a good start, and it starts to look like you're going to miss the playoffs in the first year of a two-year window... All of a sudden, if I'm Pat Brisson, I'm looking and I'm saying, right now, the reason I can't get this guy traded is because Kevin Cheveldeff won't accept futures. He's trying to win right now. But if we waste next year, or if the Jets stumble and it looks like next year is not going to happen, and now their two-year window has shrunk to one, now they got to start thinking, well, maybe we should move Shifley. Maybe we should move Hellebuck, all these guys, to try and get a boatload and rebuild. Maybe what happens is this, you can affect the situation with Pierre-Luc Dubois and push and start wasting some of this window and starting to make the Jets look at the idea of maybe it's not about trading these guys and getting a return right now that helps us right now. 
maybe I go look around and I see what I can get for Pierre-Luc Dubois in terms of prospects and picks and we load up and we decide to do exactly what you're talking about, which I do think the Jets fan base would get. You know, there's pieces to be excited about. Ehlers and and Kyle Connor, and you've got a ton, a ton of that kind of stuff coming up. If, if, you just, if you can get as an agent and back Chevy into a corner and have him start thinking differently about what kind of moves he wants to make or that he'd accept futures instead of what right now, that's the thing that I'm interested in how this goes because I do think Pierre-Luc Dubois has the power to do that. It's just it's a pretty bold move to pull it off. I, I know that we speak, and I've mentioned it many times, we talk about this two-year window with uh, Hellebuck and Shifley and Dubois contracts, Wheeler as well, I mean, until he's gone. Yeah. But is it really a two-year window? Is it more a one-year exactly. window? Like The Winnipeg exactly. Jets can't afford to have what happened to the Calgary Flames with Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, to me, it's this year or bust because, I mean, I don't think the plan is like, hey, we're going to grind these guys and go as hard as we can for two years. They're all going to go, and we're going to start again from scratch. I mean, I, I, that would be insanity to me. It would be. So you're you're right. It's not a two-year window. It's, a, it's essentially a one-year window. And if that window gets spoiled by a contract dispute out of the gate and the Jets stumble and put themselves behind the eight ball to make the playoffs, then it's no, it's no window. It's no window. And now Kevin Sheveldayoff needs to start thinking about going out and making trading his assets for futures, not for the present. It's, it sounds like they kicked tires on moving Shifley around earlier in the, in the uh, offseason and came back and said, we can't get the, the value of Mark Shifley back in a trade. Unless we go into futures, they weren't interested in doing that. That's the problem right now. This market is too locked up. You're not going to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois and get Pierre-Luc Dubois back. You're not going to trade Mark Shifley and get Mark Shifley back. But you would go and find some teams if you can find the right partner who would take those players and give you a boatload of assets that you could use in the future. The Jets don't want to rebuild, but the exact thing that you're saying here, I think is Pat Brisson knows that's right around the corner for the Winnipeg Jets. And maybe if he can get Kevin Sheveldayoff to see that that's closer, you know, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear, uh, then maybe he can get him thinking differently about what kind of return he would accept for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, and, and I understand why the ask right now, if you're Winnipeg, would be a player like Nick Suzuki. I mean, they want a guy. And, and I think that, you know, we were just talking earlier about Matthew Kachuk and if they were going to trade him to, to St. Louis, it was interesting. They just inked Robert Thomas to an eight-year deal. Teams like Winnipeg and teams like Calgary want good young players, and they'll maybe take a lesser player or one that's less proven if yeah. they have term on the contract right now. And uh, to me, that's everything. There are some younger players that are still out there on the uh, UFA market that were unqualified RFAs. We talked about a guy like Sonny Milano. But if you're moving a Shifley or if you're moving a Dubois, um, it is absolutely imperative that you end up getting players that will be around longer than this two-year window right now, Sean. Yeah, and, and I mean, I don't know. It, it's I get why the Jets want to do this. I, I think the Jets are taking a look at Rick Bonus coming in here, and they're seeing something that they're, I bet in retrospect, they're thinking, maybe we should have tried this earlier. Maybe we should have moved on from Paul Maurice and saw what this group would have looked like under a different coach. So I understand why it's tempting, because I know at the top, very top of this organization, they had a ton of belief in a team centered around Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, and Connor Hellebuck. That, you know, they had championship belief 
in these guys. So I understand one, the fan franchise is, 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 or sorry, the fan base is disenfranchised. What's the quickest way to get them back? Well, go out and win, succeed. So that's the quickest way to get butts back in the seats. But two, I still think that there is this belief within Kevin Shevel, they often his group that assembled that core that they, they want to be validated. They want to know that they were right and they were right all along with that core. And maybe if they would have made a different move, that, that things would have been different. And I think that's kind of what this year is all about. If those guys, you know, if you nailed them with truth serum, I think that you'd hear that from them, that they really want to see what Rick Bonus can do with that group and maybe see if Jeepers 2019, 2020, 2021 may have been a lot different if we would have made different choices. And this is going to be the litmus test to see if that would have been a lot different. And I think it's 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 fascinating because I we've all felt this like, Frank Saravelli, not to like to, to have a, hang him out to dry or anything like that. Frank Saravelli, who's a brilliant hockey mind and really knows hockey, thought the Winnipeg Jets were going to win the Stanley Cup last year. And he wasn't I alone either. Of, I, he wasn't alone. And I know a lot of other people thought that as well. I know that this fan base has constantly thought there's just something off. And it's just like that engine that is not quite running that if you just went in and you're like, oh, this belt slipped off and you put the belt on and now it's humming and it's everything you expected it to be. I think fans, that's been the torture of being a Winnipeg Jets fan for years is you felt like you had a hot rod and there was just a belt slipped off that you couldn't find somewhere. And this is the Jets taking one last chance to slip on that belt and see if it, you know, if they their engine runs as, as hot as they thought it would. Well, it, it is a great point. And the other thing, and this is just from a fan perspective, I mean, you know this city and you know this fan base. They want nothing more than to wrap their arms around this team, have it be theirs. And to be honest... A number of the top players in this team um, have made that difficult the last few years. And then Dubois was the one guy last year that we saw <laughs> working his ass off each and every night. Many people thought would be a guy that would be the culture carrier going forward. And yeah. um, <clears throat> it's, uh, I mean, for, for compared to all of the teams, talent-wise, it's here. The likability of a lot of the teams, especially a lot of the team, especially at the top, is low. And... Um, you know, maybe if they do make some moves and can kind of increase that, <clears throat> you'll have the people behind you. Um, it might make for a more difficult season this year, but there's going to be pain at some point happening. And uh, I do wonder whether what's happened over the course of this past month or so might have um, at least changed the options and the thoughts in uh, in the top of, uh, of True North. Hey, quickly before we go, uh, what are you doing out there? Oh, I came to visit my aunt and my uncle. They've got, uh, this is the Okanagan right behind me. And they've got uh, one of those like wake boarding boats. Uh, nice setup. Awesome. So I'm out here. It's, it's, they've got a great setup here. It's great. Uh, I, I did want to make one point before I go, if you can just give me just a Please little do. bit of time. Um, they, they, I wanted to talk to Jets fans like about Pierre-Luc Dubois. I know people are upset about this. And I know when this kind of stuff happens, there's this feeling that you kind of want to go and like beat up on, the idea of being a Winnipegger and people wanting to leave. I think you have to take into account what we're seeing around the league. Johnny Gaudreau leaving Calgary, wanting to go home. I think that there's, I, I still believe that we're going to see Matthew Kachuk eventually end up back in St. Louis. I think it's where he wants to go. I'm not sold on Patrick Laine staying with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I still think that there's a chance he's going to end up somewhere. These are all guys from the same, the, the same draft year. But it's this same era in which I think stars are getting more comfortable with the idea of like not only playing their dream sport, not only getting paid the money they want to live, but leading 
the dream life that they want to lead. I think that this is a new age player thing where they want to get everything they possibly can. And if they can, they go after it. And I think that's what you're seeing from Pierre-Luc Dubois here. So everyone out there who's kind of thinking like, oh, it's the Jets and it's the city and how come, you know, this always happens to us and whatever. I think you're going to see, and if you notice and you put take a look around the league, you're going to see it happening all over the league. And I'll say this about Pierre-Luc Dubois. He gave the Jets a two-year head start to figure this out and get something back. He didn't leave this to the last minute and you're not going to, you know, have the carpet pulled out from underneath you the way it happened with the Flames and Johnny Gaudreau. I think there's an ability to look at this situation and have a, have, you know, as a fan, as hurt as you are, have a little bit of respect towards Pierre-Luc Dubois that he gave the Jets the heads up that he he gave them and not feel burned by a guy who's basically doing something I think a lot of new age players are going to be doing. Well, so did Evander Kane and Jacob Truba. They're just doing it as publicly. I mean, obviously, Truba did have the infamous I want to play on the right side presser or uh, press release yeah. from Kurt Overhart. Um, but the fact that, you know, I mean, listen, there is something unique about this situation amongst all of the others and it's the public nature of what's happened over the last little while. And I mean, you're right. right. I mean, I, I joke to you just Brian Brennan's coming up, but very quickly, I mean, you're there in all the scrums. I said this to Weaver yesterday, let's say Shifley's back. They don't get a Wheeler deal done and Dubois there. Who are you guys asking for first on the first day at camp? <laughs> oh, Wheeler for sure. Wheeler for sure. That's who I would ask for. I mean, he's the captain. You want to talk to the captain. Uh, you that know, might be the most day. wild media day ever. They need to get out ahead of all of it. I mean, I think all those guys would probably speak, try and put it to bed, and then get down to business. But uh, easier said than done. Yeah, I mean, Shifley is going to be the easiest because, you know, it kind of, they kind of quelled that pretty early in the season, you know. And he, he said what he said. And we had chances to ask him about what he was saying in the moment. So Shifley should be pretty easy. Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think, is going to look exactly like what it looked like with Line A two years ago, which was painful and uncomfortable for, for Line A. It was painful and uncomfortable for us. I think it was painful and uncomfortable for the fan base. That's what that's going to look like. Wheelers, I'm guessing, if he's still around, will be as combative and argumentative as it always <laughs> is. Let the fireworks fly. There's not going to be a, a dull moment for the Jets coming up here, I don't think. Well, it's good for business for uh, all of us, that's for sure. Uh, although, would like to have maybe a little bit more good vibes around the team at this Agreed. point. But there's a lot of time left in the summer. We'll see what happens. Pal, have a great holiday. Thanks so much for doing this. We always love having you on the program. Uh, enjoy your uh, time away, and we'll look forward to catching up when you get back to the peg. Yeah, you bet. And I just wanted to say shout out to your uh, to your viewers for pumping the numbers they did the other day. I saw you guys hit that mark and I was so proud of you. You guys deserve it. You work your tails off. Uh, I love that people are flocking to the forum. It's great. Appreciate it, Rennie. Thanks so much. And uh, obviously, Kenny and Rennie had some great offseason stuff as well. A couple little bit of time off right now while Ken hits the uh, Manitoba golf tour. Uh, but you can check that as well out at the uh, K&R um, YouTube site. And by the way, another great crowd tonight. Uh, great here over 600 with us in the chat. If you haven't already, or if you're new here, don't get your hopes up. You won't see us wearing suits every day. Uh, however, you should be hitting that red subscribe button, joining us every day, one o'clock here, central time on the Winnipeg sports talk YouTube channel, and make sure you've subscribed to the podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, all there for you and uh, be up. Uh, usually our audio content is uploaded right after we finish the show live on YouTube in and around 3.30, just in time for your drive home. All right, we're going to continue this conversation with Brandon Rowicki of Skates and Plates coming up in just a second. 
Good time for a little hydration, hydration break. And that, of course, is brought to you by our friends at Culligan Water. Over 65 years as the water experts in Winnipeg and Manitoba. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage this summer, or the business Culligan has whatever you need. Hit them up at 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180, and online at drinkculligan.com. Our gang at Manitoba Battery are the leaders in all things battery, and they've been busy right now because people need batteries for their boats. Maybe you're working on a hot rod, a golf cart that gets you around from campsite to campsite. And, of course, they are the home of the $99 deep cycle battery. Nobody in town can touch that price, and no one can touch Manitoba Battery's prices. So don't waste your time finding a parking spot at Costco or driving a Canadian tire. Manitoba Battery will deliver to you anywhere citywide. You'll be saving time and money with the experts at Manitoba. Manitoba Battery. You can find out more online at manitobabattery.com or pop by and see them in the coolest JetBlue building in town at 1026 Logan Avenue or hit them up at 783-8787. I'll get that order ready for you to pick up or, as I said, deliver it to you citywide. Uh, Royal Sports is busy right now as well right now. Of course, we've got NFL season just around the corner. National Hockey League draft just happened. All the draft caps are in. And so many cool and unique pieces of merchandise as well, including some amazing new old school minor league baseball lids as well. But when it comes to merchandise, NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, soccer, the NBA, it's all there for you. And of course, when we're taking advantage of this summer, a huge bike selection, soccer, softball, baseball, an expanded fitness center as well. Cool things like tennis and disc golf. It's all there for you. Pop down and see them at 750 Pemina Highway and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for their latest merchandise drops and sale information. Hey, a big shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend. I know a number of breezy golfers are going to be taking part in the Manitoba Amateur that gets going tomorrow out at Elmhurst. We'll wish everybody good luck in that event. And of course, if you were looking to play at the home of the champions, an incredible course for the entire family, talk to our friend Corey Johnson at Breezy about getting on the waiting list for next year. And you can find out everything Breezy Bend has to offer online at breezybend.ca. All right. We'll talk Bombers a little later on. Big news for the Blue, by the way. A $2.1 million profit last year for the Grey Cup champions. Great to hear. Um, and one of the other great news for the Bombers is uh, the emergence of Dalton Schoen. Caught up with him after yesterday's show. We'll have that for you a little later on. But right now, let's continue our hockey talk in the offseason with the host of Skates and Plates, Brandon Rewicki, who joins us now. Rue, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. How's it going? Looking sharp. I love, I love the, love the threads you got on. You said it's not a, uh, you know, a full time thing, but I could get down with that. <laughs> well, we uh, we do have some stuff coming in from F Apparel in the next little while, so maybe we'll mix it in a little bit more. But we'd been getting our arms twisted that if we got one of the shows up to 300 likes, uh, we would do it on YouTube, and then Monday's show, well, everything that happened over the weekend with Pierre Luc Dubois created a bit of a perfect storm where we had our biggest show ever. We were way over that number and we said we were going to do it. In fact, yesterday was going to be the day. Unfortunately, a little bit of pre-show chaos with a ear-splitting fire alarm at my place nonstop <laughs> made me get into the car and go to Remus's, so we put it off today. But uh, we appreciate that. What is that, a Chelsea shirt you got on? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the only, the only team in my life that isn't perpetually disappointing, so... <laughs> 
and it, and it was laundry day, so it was like a combination of the two. But it's yeah, it's nice and comfy. You know, I'm not I'm not as sweaty as I usually am when I do these. These these soccer kits are pretty light. Nicely done. Listen, I enjoyed listening to the latest edition of Skates and Plates. No idea what you'd be talking about, uh, much like us here. Um, you know, since we spoke last week, everyone knew. I mean, they had put the uh, the I guess the released the information to Elliot Friedman a couple of weeks ago that Dubois was planning on hitting unrestricted free agency. Uh, but I think what's really gotten people up in arms around here and probably added a bit more pressure to the situation was Pat Brisson speaking with French media, talking about how excited Pierre-Luc Dubois would be to play for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, uh, just first off, before we get into some of the angles on all of this, uh, uh, what was your take on uh, how rare this is and what the Dubois camp is trying to do right now in this offseason to the Winnipeg Jets, knowing that they hold his rights for the next two seasons? Yeah, I guess the first thing is just it was, it was nice to have, you know, one summer where we didn't have to do this song and dance, right? Like one one out of 11 isn't too bad. Maybe we were due. It's It's been too quiet here in Winnipeg for somebody wanting out. But that, I mean, that's kind of where the majority of the conversation goes for me is just that like this, this sucks ass. Like I... <laughs> <laughs> I hate talking about it. And and there's not really a lot you can do if you're the Winnipeg Jets in this situation. Like, you can't change the weather. You can't change the way downtown looks and some of the other issues that Winnipeg has compared to some of the other big cities. And it, it's kind of this constant reminder that this franchise is behind the eight ball a, a ton of the time when they when they try to build a winner uh, year after year in the NHL. So that that's kind of the the, the main thing for me. But... You know, after that, I, you know, and I, I don't really have a problem. I, I don't have any problem with athletes wanting to play in a certain location or wanting to trade or whatever it is. But this whole dog and pony show of anytime there's a, a television camera in front of you, you got to make mention that Montreal is the one and only place my client's going to go and there's nothing that can be done about that. It just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I don't have a problem if Dubois doesn't want to resign here in Winnipeg. That's cool. And I guess it's great that he let them know a couple of years ahead of time, but it's just this, you know, doing it through a megaphone and making sure everybody on the planet needs to hear this, which also then hamstrings the team trying to move you in the process here. So, I mean, all in all, it just sucks. Like from Winnipeg's side of things, there, there really, there really is not even a shred of positivity in this because you're, you're fighting this battle once again, and it's even more public than it's been in the past, arguably. Well, exactly. I mean, like I, I joked, Evander Kane handled this quite more quietly and <laughs> yeah. less publicly. If Kane does something more professionally than you, maybe, <laughs> maybe give your head a shake and, and check your priorities. Well, well, let me ask you this, because, I mean, it's important to note, I mean, as I just mentioned with Rennie, Pat Brisson is not some new school, yeah. new guy around the block. I mean, he's been through this a million times why do you think they've gone the route that they have gone? Do you think that they believed that they were that close, like this was going to help them get to Montreal? I see it the other way, that they've overplayed their hand and created essentially a hornet's nest for Dubois to come back in with a fan base that feels that he's already turned their backs on him before he even sets foot on the ice for one of two remaining years, potentially in Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I think it's a big-time mistake by by a guy that probably should know better, right? Because and and maybe that kind of tactic could work with twenty five other GMs, but like you're, you're talking about the one GM who has the most freaking practice in doing this and has shown time and time again he's willing to be over patient in a lot of cases and making sure that well, I'm doing the deal that I want to do 
and I'm getting the return that I want. And if you don't like it, enjoy playing in Winnipeg, pal. You made the great point on the, the latest skates and plates and folks make sure to check that out wherever you get your podcast that, um, you know, if there's one thing, you know, people have had their criticisms of Shevel Day off, but I mean, you had said, if there's one general manager I'd want being in Winnipeg handling this situation right now, based on previous experience, it's Chevy. It is. And it's crazy to say that, right? Like, and I, it's not that you wouldn't feel confident with like a Joe Sackick or a Stevie Y or anything like that, but has he not hit, I don't know, three, four home runs in this situation in the past? Like the Kane trade was a massive haul. The Jacob Truba trade, while at the time looked a little underwhelming, has proven to be a big-time win for the Jets. And, and what's important to note about the, the New York trade is that had gotten to the final year. Like, we're, we're one year yeah. away from that. And Truba and Kurt Overhart basically said, from all reports, the only place we'll sign an extension is in New York. So in some ways, they sort of tied Sheveldayoff's hands. And I think considering that, the return was quite good. Brasson has essentially tried to do that an extra year early in this situation with what's happened this summer. Yeah. Yeah. And even Patrick Liney, it's a different sort of scenario. But again, you're talking about a guy that wanted out and you're able to turn, you know, a, a top line winger into arguably a top line center. But and, and Chevy pulled that one off, too. Right. So, yeah, I I wondered and you kind of touched on it a little bit there. Was there maybe some bad blood that a trade was set to go through or almost went through, but then didn't, and somebody backed out and this and this. So, you know, you you screw us, we're going to screw you a little bit here. Like, I wonder if if that maybe played a bit of a role in it. But, yeah, I, I, that's that's the other thing that stands out to me is just that you can, and I'm in, the, I'm in this camp too, like you can complain that the offseason has been subpar at best so far for the Winnipeg Jets. You can say this team is a far cry from where they were a few years ago. But I, I, I think you're lying to yourself if you don't have confidence that Chevy's going to be able to to put the Jets in a good spot in a really difficult situation because he's shown maybe, maybe his best attribute as, as part of being a GM for this team is that when a star player inevitably wants out here, he's able to turn a really, really rocky situation into a win for the Jets. Well, that it's certainly uh, – see, there's the positivity that we needed. We haven't had a lot of it. There, there's a Yay. great angle for yeah. Brandon. Our, our GM gets good trades when they yeah. put out. Yeah. <laughs> they have to do it. Um, you know, we were just talking. I mean, it's been quite clear that the organizational plan is that um, – the organizational plan would be to try to win this year. I mean, you've still got a lot of really talented players. They believe in the guys. They thought last year was an aberration. They've got a new head coach coming in, and they wanted to do that. But considering what's happened over the course of the summer, um, and I know, you know, there's been some reports that Mark Shifley's all in. I mean, I guess, you know, the proof will be in the pudding with the way that he plays, and we'll hear what he has to say, I guess, probably sooner. He'll be coming for that golf tournament in a couple of weeks. So that should be quite an interesting little uh, media media uh, a bit. But with Dubois and with these top players, the most important players on this team, outside of, you know, Hellebuck, Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers, reportedly, you know, at times are wondering whether what their future was here. Um, I mean, to me, this is a one-year window, not a two-year window because of what happened with Johnny Gaudreau. At some point, you're going to need to get assets of these players if they're not sticking around. And I do sort of wonder if um, maybe for the first time they're considering potentially a change of the plan of attack when it comes to when you're going to trade some of these guys. Because... 
They certainly don't want to end up like the Calgary Flames with what happened with Johnny Gaudreau. I think that's safe to say. And at some point, you're going to have a little bit of short-term pain, hopefully for long-term gain. Um, where are you at on that with the group they have right now when you trade some of these guys that you think you'll have to at some point and what that might mean for the short term, but what that does for maybe the season after two years from now, which potentially, if you just wrote it out, could be essentially scorched earth and starting all over again. Yeah, that, that which, would be Which disaster. is not the plan. Yeah, no, that would be beyond disastrous for the Jets. I, I think, you know, and if, if I'm being honest, I think this was the year uh, if you wanted to go, or if you were thinking about going the rebuild route, like why wait a year? Do it, do it a year early, start it a bit ahead of time, and you're going to find yourself in a better spot maybe three years down the road instead of five years down the road. You get a little more value in each of these trades for any of these guys with two years left on their term. I, I, I think that's that's the route I would have went down, but I don't know how I don't know how likely that could be at this point, right? Because you'd be talking about Shifley Dubois. Wheeler and Hellebuck. And while they all have a ton of value around the league, or at least three of the four do, most most rosters are said right now. Like there's not really a it, it's yeah. difficult. You needed to for, do that a month ago. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I I don't know how likely that is going into this season. And the crappy part of that is just that this was to me was kind of a one way or the other sort of an offseason. Like either go in and try to win it this year, or at least try to get yourself a few steps closer to contention. And if it doesn't work, then you blow it up after that. But you gave it a shot, right? Or you blow it up right off the bat. And hey, we know Connor Bedard is up for grabs. We know, I, what is it, Mitchkoff, the Russians up for grabs as well. This draft is set up to be pretty special. It, it kind of worked out this way to make a decision one way or the other. And instead, I think we found ourselves in the worst possible place to be in pro sports right now. And that's the mushy middle, right? Like there's there's not one clear direction right now. And I, I know I know there's been extenuating circumstances with how the Jets got to this point, but that's that's maybe the most disappointing part of this whole offseason, Huss, is just that oh man, I, I think I think if you're gonna go with a direction, like really lean into it one way or the other. And I get the sense that by the time training camp comes around, there might be a few changes here or there, but for the most part, it's going to be relatively the same club as last year. And I just don't know how many more years of running it back we need to see before we know that this team is, I think, at best, a, a bubble playoff team right now. Um, specifically to the Dubois situation, um, what's the best course of action for for this? And, and were you as surprised as I was that the Jets didn't decide to elect for team elected arbitration? Yes and no, because I'm I'm with you on the fact of like this is a stick it to him like. Here, eat this. Like, well, I don't really to... see any negative sides to it. Yeah. I, mean, I think you get cost certainty. And I mean, certainly if you're trading a guy at the deadline next year, if I'm trading for Pierre-Luc Dubois, knowing full well that I've got one more year of services and we can talk to him next year about an extension, I don't know. I'd rather know what the cost is and have it set this summer as opposed to doing it all over again next year at potentially larger rate. I mean, I, I think it almost makes him more of a trade piece at least at that point, if you know how much he's making next year, that's where I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I would have went that way if I was the jets, but they've never really operated that way before with high level guys. So that's why I didn't really, it's very rare. I mean, yeah. listen, I can't, we could count on the number on one hand, probably the amount of team elected arbitrations lately, exactly. but yeah. um, this is essentially a situation of their own doing. And uh, 
listen, if you want to get traded, I mean, knowing what the cost is going forward would be, not to mention you ensure, like, can you imagine if they don't get a contract done and we already have this situation and then he's sitting out at the start of the year without a contract? I mean, that's taking a bad situation and making it worse. That's true. And it, it does open the Jets to that. But at, at the same time, I would be beyond shocked if it came to that. Mainly because if hey, if Dubois wants to go to Montreal, that's great. If Dubois wants to make a ton of money, which I'm pretty sure every professional athlete does, he's got to get his ass out there on the ice and put up 70 or 80 points for the first time in his career, right? Like, sure, he might make seven, eight million dollars on a long term deal, but do you want to make nine, ten, maybe a little bit more than that in, in two years' time, depending on what happens with the cap, right? So I'm actually not I have no concerns that Dubois A is going to sit out and not play for the Jets and B, you know, do what he did in Columbus in that final game and coasted every single shift until they move him out. I think he's got too much riding personally on that next big contract for him to pull anything like that. And I think he's learned that, you know, that's probably not the best way to handle things. You can probably learn to do it a little bit differently off the ice, but on the ice is a different story. Um, but Really, the to, to me, the only course of action for the Jets is you set your asking price for Pierre-Luc Dubois. If a team meets it, he could be out the door tomorrow. If they don't meet it, we will wait and wait and wait. Let's I, assume I, that he let's assume that he will be traded at some point from the Winnipeg Jets. I think that's a safe assumption. Yep. When do you think is the most likely time for that to happen? Is it at some point earlier in the season or is this they get everything they can out of him up until next year's trade deadline and potentially dangle him to a playoff contender for two playoffs and one more full season? I think it'll be this year's trade deadline, actually, where a team will get two playoff runs out of him. And the reason I say that, too, is I just don't anticipate the Jets being, say, second in the central, right? Like a spot where, do we want to trade him? Because we can maybe take a bit of a run at this and see what happens. I think they're going to be right around the bubble again. And that makes it easier for management at that point to to look more towards the future and, and moving a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois out. And, you know, if, if the Jets really wanted to do this and you want to maximize the value in a trade and you're going to rebuild the following year anyways, maybe you take on some of the salary in a Dubois deal, right? And that even opens up more cap space for the team acquiring him and maybe you get an, a, an extra asset or two. So I, I think the trade deadline is when we will see. I'll, I'll be, I'll still be pretty surprised if he's moved at some point before this regular season gets underway. But whether it's Montreal, whether it's a different team, I, I do think we'll see the Winnipeg Jets move him at the trade deadline. And I, I, I still maintain, even though he's making this public, that you know there's a chance he doesn't ever play for the Montreal Canadiens. I think that's a real possibility as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's a risk that Montreal has to take. Like, if you're Montreal, I, the the one of the, the brutal things about this whole situation is just how much the Habs suck right now. Because if they were a more competitive team, I think they'd have a much more, uh, they'd have a greater interest in getting this done right now and getting Dubois signed to an eight-year deal based on his numbers up until this point, as opposed to, Listen, the guy's playing with Kyle Connor, who just had 47 goals last year. I mean, if that happens again and his numbers go up, to your point, the price goes up going forward. But at this point, they're just not competitive enough to have a real level of urgency to add that guy in. They're probably not a playoff team next year. And I guess the other thing is that if you plan to suck, that first-round pick is probably yeah. off the table because of what it could mean. And um, that would have 
uh, definite value to a team like Winnipeg that knows that there's going to be some significant changes in the organization in the next couple of years. Yeah, that, that's the thing, right? Like there's two pieces from Montreal that Winnipeg would want from a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, and that's Nick Suzuki, and that's their first-round pick. And Montreal, I mean, I guess they could. They, it'd be insanity to move either one of those for, for Pierre-Luc Dubois right now. So that's why I just don't see anything happening with Montreal here. And I, I don't think the Habs are all that – there's not a lot of emphasis on them making this move right now because it doesn't really fit with what they're trying to do. I mean, the Habs have by far the worst defense in the NHL right now. Their goaltending situation is completely up in flux. Like, nobody knows what's going to happen with Carey Price this year. And, and who knows what happens with Martin State. Like, teams all the time get that big bump when a coach comes in and they fall back to earth the following season. Like, there's the chance that the last place Habs take a bit of a dip if, uh, if they don't have the same response under Martin St. Louis. So there's just, to me, there's no scenario where Montreal moves either one of those two assets. And if that's the case, then... Guess what? Just because you want to go there, Chevy has no, he's under no pressure to make the move to deal you there right now. And that's why ultimately I think you could see a team like maybe Los Angeles, maybe a team like maybe not so much Carolina anymore because of the Burns and the, and the Pacioretty trade. But some of those teams that were in on Mark Shifley, maybe you see them start to, to circle back around on Pierre-Luc Dubois. Because if I'm LA, for example, look, we're not Montreal, but you're telling me that if you got Dubois for two years, with palm trees and celebrities all over the place that you couldn't convince them, hey, you want to sign here and, and live your life for eight years at eight, nine million dollars in California? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You've traded them to the Kings or the Ducks. I mean, one of those teams, uh, you know, it might be a perfect spot for him. And that ha- if the Habs think that no matter what, he's just going to be there for them in two years signing a team-friendly deal, I got news for you. A lot of things can change, and that certainly is going to be something that the Jets will uh, the Jets will be thinking about as far as Dubois goes. Like, let's just assume that there's no issues in the room, and I don't know. That's probably a foolish assumption based on last <laughs> year. But let's just for for sake of argument, saying hey, everything with the team is fine. Um, but the public nature of the way that this has been played out obviously went over terribly with Winnipeg Jet fans. Um, how, what do you think it's going to be like for Dubois to come back out and take the ice for uh, game number one of the regular season? Uh, you know, considering how cantankerous the group was to begin with and now really feels like they've had their back turned on them by a guy that they welcomed with open arms and supported unequivocally for the last season and a half, especially the first year where he really struggled. Yeah, he'll get booed. And I don't think he really cares. <laughs> so it's like, uh, oh, well, right? Like I, I, And I don't think it'll be like, uh, you know, like a Corey Perry arena wide sort of a boo, but I yeah, think there yeah. <laughs> people, people will be upset and, and rightfully so. And they, they should, if they don't, <laughs> Hey, I come from Philly, like Philly sports dumb. And if you don't like something, go ahead and boo your ass off. And if it's something like a player requests you to trade out, then you have every right to boo him any chance you get. But I don't, I don't think it's going to be like a year long thing between him and the fan base. And, and to be honest, like if, if you're the Winnipeg Jets players in that room, it's, like, what's the big deal? We've been through this one before. Right? Yeah. Like, Ehlers, Connor, like how many of these guys have, like, this is just old stuff. I, I, I don't, I really don't think it's going to be a distraction in, in any way, shape or form. As long as Dubois comes out and, and gives a hundred percent. And I, I truly really believe that he's going to do that because like I mentioned earlier, you know, 60 points is, is great, but 80 points and doing everything else he does during a game of hockey gets you, 
potentially $10 million a year. And if he wants to make an extra 10, $15 million, then he's going to go out there and he's going to, I'll tell you what, though, for the Jets. I mean, there's definitely a self-inflicted target on his own back, though. I mean, just a Matt, what if he scores once in the first 15 games? Oh. <laughs> that, that, well, that, that would be Philly. Welcome to Philly, man. Yeah. That's exactly what would happen there. And that's not going to change anytime soon. But yeah, like that's, I have no problem again with players wanting out. I want to go here. I want to go there. I want to do this. But I don't feel bad for you when things don't work in your favor. And that, that's that's the amount of pressure that he's putting on himself right now to perform and, and to do that pretty early this season. Yeah, the rules are the rules, and they apply to everybody um, uh, equally, and that's why they signed a CBA, and you got to live with it. I still, I, I'm just so surprised that this would come from Pat Brisson, uh, and that someone that is so experienced, and they had to know that this was an incredible risk, at least just for you know his you know, well-being and the atmosphere around a guy like that coming back because, I mean, Brisson also knows that Kevin Sheveldayoff is not going to be pushed around. And the fact that they made this so public, in fact, almost doubles down on Chevy's need to make sure that they make the trade when they want for what they want so it doesn't set a precedent that anyone could just do that and the Winnipeg Jets are going to bend over backwards to accommodate maybe taking 50 or 75 cents on the dollar because of something outside of their control. Yeah, and that that's kind of why I, I like the theory, conspiracy theory, if you will, that there was something in place at the draft, you know, depending on on who you talk to and what you read. And for what, I don't know why, for every reason it fell out and they're just kind of like in screw you mode. That, that's, that's that to me, that's the only thing that makes sense because I agree, like Pat Brisson is too smart to go down this path without, without a, a, a major reason to do it. And he knows that you would have to know how Chevy does business. I don't know how many of his clients have, have been with the Jets, but I mean, it's it's pretty obvious what his reputation is around the league as a bit of a hard ass and, and stubborn when, when he wants to get his way here. So I'm, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people are pissed off right now between Brisson, Dubois, his camp and and Chevy, the management group here. And that's that's why it's gone to this point. But I, the, the main thing for Jets fans here is just this, that. He's not going to be pushed around, Kevin Chevalier. Like that, and that's kind of what you need in this market. Like you need somebody that is going to be notoriously difficult to deal with because the second you roll over for somebody, it's going to be player after player, high end, low end, whatever it is. Nobody's going to want to be here, and and that that would really be the death blow for this Jets organization. And he's got, he, I mean, Chevy has, and he will, and and has to find a way to be. Bit of a hard ass in, in, in all yeah, these situations. And, and, and I, I think, think the, do it. And I think the fan base rallies around that point, to be honest with you. I mean, in a in a hilariously ironic way, this whole episode, the last couple of weeks, has brought this fan base together <laughs> more than anything that's happened over the last 12, 18 months. Yeah, for the first time in years. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it took was another holdout, right? Or another trade request. <laughs> a little bit uh a uh what do you make of the calgary situation pat steimer is going to join us tomorrow and he's obviously very close to it i've been talking to them off air i mean flames fans devastated after the highs that they had with that incredible team this year johnny's gone left 15 mil on the table to get out of calgary and now it certainly sounds like matthew kachuk has probably played his last game as a flame it's i mean we can relate right like that that's that's a pretty rough. It's a pretty rough couple of weeks out there in Cowtown, but 
you know what? Jamie McCowan broke Dale Howard Chuck's ribs a couple of decades ago, so I still don't really have a whole lot of sympathy <laughs> for anything that comes out of that province over there. But I mean, they they really have no choice to to move Matthew Kachuk right now, right? And and they're in a more dire situation because he's a year away from from UFA status. And I'll be very intrigued what the hall's going to be for a guy like that because there are there's a lot of good players in this league, but he really is a bit of a unicorn. Like he's he's a throwback player. I mean, it's one thing to bring the physicality and the edge and everything like that, but you know, while he's not going to be playing shotgun with Johnny Gaudreau, I, I don't imagine to, to put up a hundred points in this league and a hundred penalty minutes if he wants to. There, there is so so much value in that, and he's one of those rare wingers that can really drive his own line. Like he's all—it's almost like you're acquiring a centerman in terms of value here. So this, it's it's a massive massive blow to the Flames, and it's it's almost a little bit similar to, to what Montreal had to go through the previous season, right? But like Montreal went from Cup finalist to dead last in the matter of less than twelve months, and you wonder if the Flames go from first place, essentially first place in the West to one of the big-time players in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes this upcoming year because they lose their two best players right now. The funny thing is, they're almost like Winnipeg in that they've got an elite all-star goaltender. They do have some other pretty good talent. Like, I don't think they can go from there to here. They probably just go from there to, you know, an average team. And as you mentioned, that mushy middle is the place that is not a great spot to get stuck in where you don't really have a chance of winning, but you're really far away from really getting the assets and the pieces that you need to take a huge increase over the course of the next few years. And Calgary had been mired in that for a few years before last season, and it seems like very quickly they're right back to where they were. Although, I will say this, would it it shock you if Daryl Sutter went all Daryl Sutter on the flames and said, Hey, you know, we're the underdogs. I can bench press 550. Let's go out there and shock the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like that wouldn't surprise me either that everybody, all the big guns want out of town. And then the flames give up like two goals a game for the rest of the year. They find a way to, to knock Vegas out of the postseason or something like that. I can see it right now. Training camp is starting at the ranch in Vegreville. <laughs> Guys are going to work on the farm for the first couple days before they even hit the ice, and that is going to be a team that no one's going to want to uh, no one's going to want to f with next year. Brandon, great stuff. Uh, you know, as I said, I mean, I listened to uh, the, your uh, your Monday pod, and uh, we all know what the big topics are in and around this. But uh, the fact that we are now July nineteenth, and things not only haven't really been solved, but there's been another. The, the power pole of fires, if you will, has a new one with number 80 at or near the top of the list. Uh, never a dull moment, that's for sure. Good for business, I guess. Good for business. Having said that, I don't know what I'm going to talk about because it's it's like the same old, like, you just need something. You need one domino to fall here for the Winnipeg Jets. And, like, kind of the scary thing, right? Like, I, I saw a tweet today, NFL training camp start, like, next week or something. Yes, I know there's still time, but there's not really time. <laughs> like if the Jets want to make additions or subtractions or whatever it is, like, gotta, like, do you want to wait till August to, to make that happen? I, I, like, I have a feeling that whatever trades get completed, and this is not just for the Winnipeg Jets. I'm sure the Matthew Kachuk situation as well. I mean, these trades are going to maybe take another team. Um, they're going to take a lot of time and a lot of work. And like Dave Poulin said, 
you know, there was a time where you'd get a week or two out of free agency and the general managers basically turn off their phones and go to the lake and say, okay, I'll talk to you in the last week in August or the first week in September. That is not the case this year. And whatever it takes, I mean, these are incredibly challenging deals to make for a number of reasons that we've talked about. Uh, and the work that goes into making them happen is going to be long. It's going to be tireless. And um, it might take a considerable more amount of time to get things done. And, um, you know, that is just uh, part of the waiting game that I guess we started right when the Jets were eliminated from the playoffs and are still talking about many of the same stories uh, as we uh, as we get into uh, to the month of August. Great stuff. Uh, when's the next S&P pro- dropping? Yeah, uh, Friday morning. Again, not sure. Maybe it'll be about, did, did you see Jim Toth's absolutely asinine, disgusting take on hot dog toppings earlier today on National Hot Dog Day? Oh, no, let me guess. Ketchup was number one on his power pole? Number one and the only one on his power pole. <laughs> well, as I said, and we touched on this at the beginning of the program, but you may have missed it. Uh Dustin Nielsen and Marshall Ferguson today were talking about that and outed themselves as ketchup guys. And I tweeted immediately, TSN should immediately reprimand both Nielsen and Marshall for their endorsement of ketchup on hot dogs. (laughs) I'm not a big cancel guy, but in this case, it seems appropriate. Not sure how TSN can trot these guys out on national TV after this. Send them to the Hague. That's the only place you belong (laughs) if you got to take like that. Try that in Chicago and see what happens. Yeah, you get arrested. As yeah, I said, straight to jail. You can you can check out my. I also tweeted a video from the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council earlier today on hot dog do's and don'ts. And the Queen of Ween herself, at the one thirty minute mark, makes a point of saying, "If you are over the age of eighteen, ketchup is a no." Yeah. I mean, if you're six or seven, okay. Sometimes you got to do things for kids, but people, humans, they grow up, they mature. Obviously, that hasn't happened with our friend Jim. All right, M- mustard, onions, and relish all day. That, that's that's the proper trio, and you're good to go. <laughs> I'm going to VJ's right after here to get one. Let's do it. Sure. <laughs> Brandon, thanks for doing this as always, man. Ton of fun. Can't wait for the next one, man. Have a good week. <laughs> Take it easy. There it is, Brandon Rewicki. Make sure to check out Skates and Plates wherever you get your podcasts, talking jets and food. And that was a great take from Brandon on the plate side of skates and plates. All right, we are going to be talking bombers. Really looking forward to uh play on our conversation with Dalton Schoen. Before we do that, uh, not Autocorp. I mentioned all the breezy golfers that will be taken to uh, Elmhurst tomorrow for the uh, amateur. Of course, it is the not Autocorp amateur, not Autocorp, a proud sponsor of golf in Manitoba and the title sponsor of the amateur, which begins tomorrow out at Elmhurst. If you're in the market for a new vehicle, before you do anything, head on down and talk to our friends at Not Autocorp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Visit them at Waverly and McGilvery or check them out online at Not.ca. Well, we got all that rain out of the way yesterday, and it looks like it's smooth sailing with sunshine and beautiful weather for the next little while. Might be a great time to pop by your local beer store and stock up on the good stuff from Little Brown Jug, whether it's the 1919, the Hefeweizen, the Folkfest Lager, all sorts of great summer beers available. Or you can try the summer variety pack as well with four different Little Brown Jug favorites. But maybe the best spot to do it is heading down to the brewery and taproom on William Avenue. Try a few for yourself and take away anything you'd like 
for home in Kansas as well. And of course, you can also check out all their beers and order online at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, Boston Pizza, great spot to watch the game. Not many, not much going on tonight, but tomorrow, CFL doubleheader. We'll get to the lines and uh, cool bet lines at the end of the program. Uh, no better spot to gather with the gang to watch the big game than BP. They've got the great summer menu right now featuring the Carnitas Tacos and Carnitas Pizza. Pizza flights are back as well. And of course, if you're staying home, you can always check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. All right. We're talking bombers for our good friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And of course, the presenting sponsor of the Blue Bomber Tailgate. Make sure you get outside the stadium a little early before the next home game and take advantage of $5 beers, $3.50 hot dogs and pop, DJ finesse spinning, and great prizes from the Princess Auto team. And of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto, two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. All right, as I mentioned, after yesterday's show, got a chance to catch up with bomber rookie standout receiver Dalton Schoen uh, a little bit about his background what it's like being part of the Grey Cup champs and the start to his season heading into Friday night in Edmonton here's Dalton Schoen on Winnipeg Sports Talk Dalton what's up thanks so much for joining us how are you I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it is uh, it's great. People are still buzzing about that game on Friday night to get the 6-0. I, mean, I want to talk a little bit about your background, but first up, I mean, how much fun was that playing in that atmosphere and getting such a big win against another undefeated team at IG Field? It was unreal. Uh, like you said, the, the atmosphere with, with the fans and how loud it was on Friday, it was, it was unreal. It's everything you dream about when you – this is why you play football, you know, and so – to have that atmosphere and, to, like you said, get that big win, move to 6-0, and uh, feels good right now. You know, I, I could ask so much about the team right now, and your perspective would be really interested being a new uh, newcomer, but I'll just ask you first off, how much fun have you been having uh, since coming to the Canadian Football League and becoming a part of uh, this back-to-back championship team that's looking to go for three? I've been having a blast. Um, you know, before getting up here, I obviously did some research on the team and stuff like that. And the, the first thing you see is back-to-back champs. And then you see how passionate the fan base is. So to get to come in and be a part of that and then be a part of this locker room that we have, like the culture here is amazing. From the coaches through all the players, everyone involved. Um, it's just been a blessing to be a part of it. It's been a lot of fun. Now, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about the upcoming game and the rest of the season. Um, but I know a lot of people are interested in a little bit of your background. Uh, we were talking a little off air. I mean, a big time Chiefs fan. Everyone knows you're a Kansas City guy as well. Tell us a little bit about growing up on the Kansas side in Overland Park and uh, how you cut your teeth playing football before heading to college. <laughs> Um, you know, growing up in Kansas City was fun. Obviously, grew up a huge Chiefs fan, huge Royals fan, all of that. And then college-wise, grew up a huge K-State fan. You know, my, both my parents went there, all my aunts and uncles, extended family, brother and sister. So it was always a dream to go there. Um, and then that's only, you know, two hours from Kansas City. So it, it was a dream come true to have the opportunity to go play college ball at K-State. Um, I loved it. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you were a uh... – a walk-on. I mean, were you a star player in high school? I mean, what did it take? You know, we know all about recruiting, but I mean, you know, you got these big rosters. Not everyone is, uh, you know, a guy that you know, fifty-five schools are signing up for it. Um, you mentioned it was your dream school. Tell us about going to K-State, making the roster, and then having the incredible career that you had there. Yeah, the recruiting process for me was tough. Um, you know, I I grew up playing football, basketball, and baseball, and so 
you kind of miss out on like those combine type camps and other places where you can kind of boost your recruiting numbers or whatever it may be. And so it was tough for me and I didn't decide until, you know, kind of my junior year of high school that I really wanted to play football in college. And so then kind of around that time, junior going into senior year, I was more of a, a D2, D3 type prospect. I was also knew I wanted to do engineering though. So, you know, I was kind of limiting my schools to schools that had good engineering schools, um, but always in the back of my mind, I, I was hopeful to go to K-State, you know, it was a dream. Um, and then first game my senior year actually had uh, 12 catches for 380 yards and four touchdowns. 380 and four in one game? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so that moment, that was my first game senior year, uh, that kind of put it back in my head that like, you know what, I think I could go play at K-State, you know. So sent that film to those coaches there, and uh, they were obviously telling me, we're already beyond your recruiting class. And so then I kind of was like, no, I'm, I'd just like to walk on, stuff like that. And they kind of slow played it for a while. I know they had a full receiver room. And so then I was looking at a lot of different schools, walk-on types offers or D2, D3. And then finally, you know, K-State came through pretty late in my senior year and said, hey, we got a walk-on spot for you if you want. And I, I took it like that because I, I, I knew I wanted to be there. Like I said, that was the dream. Um, but walking onto a program is never easy. You know, I go in there and my first two years, I'm just on scout team. I'm, I'm a nobody. Uh, the coaches won't even really look at me as like someone who would actually play. Um, and that's hard too, because not a lot of guys play scout team for two years and then go on to be a starter or anything like that. Um, but I kept working every single day. I kept doing what coach Snyder said was like, just get a little bit better every single day. And eventually those all stack and you've come a long way and nobody else saw it, but you did. Um, and so then other, uh, finally two years in, um, End up getting a spot on special teams, a little bit of receiver work here and there. End up having some big plays, which led to more stuff. And then next thing you know, you know, I'm starting as a sophomore, which I, I never would have dreamed. Um, never looked back. Well, it sounds like, I mean, there was a lot of hard work and a lot of belief in yourself to go through that. I mean, that's not an easy situation. And I mean, anyone that pays attention to, you know, especially big school NCAA college football, there's a lot of recruiting. There's a lot of things that are promised to guys um, that aren't the walk on. So to achieve what you're able to do, doing it the hard way, I think in probably a lot of ways, it probably prepared you even better for a professional career, considering of what you had to earn and do it yourself just to even get an opportunity. Yeah, it definitely helped prepare me for the exact situation I'm in now, you know, because I tell people all the time, it's really hard to be a walk on a scholarship guy. It's probably going to get 10 opportunities before you get one. So you better have prepared and made the most and then make the most of that one opportunity you get. And then, you know, you come up here to the CFL, it's hard to come up here and make a roster here, um, especially as an American. So when you come up for training camp, you know, you have a rookie camp trying to learn everything as fast as you can. And then you're in the, the grind of actual training camp. You got to be ready for that big opportunity because you never really know when it's going to happen. But when it does, you need to make your mark. Um, and so that then trust grows, opportunities grow. And then next thing you know, you know, you find yourself on the team. Bomber rookie receiver Dalton Schoen with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, his debut visit. Uh, what a great start he's had to this year. Hey, before we talk about getting to the Canadian Football League, when you finished up at K-State, were you thinking professional football? And uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, signing and getting an opportunity in NFL minicamps before eventually coming north of the border. What was that experience like? Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, my senior year, I, I wasn't really focused on, I guess, or worried about professional football. You know, my motto's always kind of, be where your feet are, you know, focus on your current stage, that kind of idea. Um, because at the end of the day, I saw a lot of guys at K-State who were so pro-focused and they were like, hey, man, I need this many catches, this many yards, this many touchdowns for their position. And whereas my mindset was I, was, I was a team captain. I was like, we need to win. That was all I cared about was winning games for our team. Um, and so then when everything was done with that season, then I started to look to the next level, prepare for my pro day. I was lucky that to have it that year that was the COVID year um and so then I, I was very fortunate to you know have 
good numbers, a good day and stuff like that. And to get to sign um, undrafted free agent deal to the Chargers at that time and to have a, a few NFL opportunities. Now, um, but then now you're here with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. How did it come about? Did you know much about I always love when we have guys that have come mm-hmm. here for the first time to ask them about if they knew anything about the Canadian Football League. I mean, you'll see the odd game on ESPN or the Deuce at some point, but um, what did you know about Canada and the Win- and Winnipeg beforehand, and uh, how did you become a Winnipeg Blue Bomber? Yeah, so like you said, you know, I'd seen games on TV, but you don't really know the the ins and outs of the league or even all the rules and the nuances of the game. Um, and so this past spring, my agent, um, he had talked to Danny McManus, assistant GM here, and I guess Danny had seen me last year in the Chiefs training camp uh, last fall. And so they set up a phone call with the three of us just to kind of talk to Danny, get to know a little bit about the league, uh, what life is like, you know, as an American player up here um, and stuff like that. And just basically talk about, you know, the opportunities I would have up here and stuff like that. Um, And so that kind of got the ball rolling. And then, you know, obviously I had to talk with my family about it, research about it. Um, And then, you know, looking at everything, we we decided it was a great opportunity for me to come up here and, you know, hopefully go play meaningful football again. And that's what I've been able to do. And, been a blast doing it. Well, I mean, you know, you mentioned, I'm not sure whether this was at the start of the conversation or when we were chatting beforehand, but uh, when you look up Winnipeg, and uh, I mean, hey, listen, I mean, part of the reason why I've been so fun to be a Chiefs and a Royals fan here is that, I mean, it's just a straight shot down I-29, a pretty simple mm-hmm. drive, but it does seem far away. Did you know much about the city? And uh, what did you learn very quickly about the Blue Bombers as a team before you came north of the border? Yeah, uh, I didn't know a whole lot about the city, but uh, one of the first things you see is how passionate this fan base is here for the Blue Bombers. And then obviously I saw Bombers back-to-back great cup champs. And so instantly you want to be a part of that. Um, Obviously you want to be a part of championship football, but then it just means so much more to know you have the whole city behind you, that fan base. That's very similar to what I had at Kansas State, um, kind of that family atmosphere. And so instantly, obviously reading about that, you want to be a part of it. And then kind of what you said is, Winnipeg is basically a straight shot north of Kansas City by about 12 hours. Um, so that's been nice, too. You know, my, my parents have been able to come up to a few games now. And so having that uh, has been nice. Now, Dalton Schoen's with us. Dalton, tell us about um, coming up here for the first time. I imagine, you know, as a rookie going to a new country and a new league, there's a, you know, probably eyes are pretty wide open. But what was it like coming into the Winnipeg Blue Bomber dressing room with the leadership group that they put together, knowing that uh, it's on a mission for another championship after putting together two seasons that ended up with a, a big party here in Winnipeg. Yeah, uh, it was kind of a wild experience. You know, driving up to Canada was obviously something very new for me. Um, and then, you know, we showed up for rookie camp and kind of dove right into it. And then by the time the vets got here, it was kind of like, oh, pump the brakes. We're having, you know, this little union issue and stuff like that. But I think uh, the veterans in our room did a really good job of, kind of bringing the whole group together saying, you know, like, this is the standard, this is what we're about. And we didn't let the exterior noise or anything slow us down. Um, And so instantly as a rookie, as a new guy, you see that culture, not only with the receiver group, but the whole team. Um, And like I said, that's something you want to be a part of. And it's it's easy to be a part of it because they they want everyone to be on board, everyone to get going with the ship. And so it, it was a blessing to be in a situation like it is. The way you described yourself as a college player, being a team captain and a guy that cared first and foremost about winning seems to be very much along the lines of the culture that has been created under Mike O'Shea here in Winnipeg. Yeah, no, it's definitely very similar. Um, and, and I like that. You know, I like having the, the similar-minded people. Like I said, the culture that was so easy for me to just jump right into because it is so 
team oriented. Um, and, you know, we have a ton of great players in our in our receiving core and just a ton of weapons on offense. But uh, I think you could ask every single guy. They, they don't care if they're the one who's catching the ball, making the play. They just care about us as a team getting the job done. How have, uh, how have you developed such a great chemistry so quickly with Zach Caleros? Uh, I think Zach makes it easy. You know, he he's a guy who has a ton of experience in his league, and he he's just so smart. Um, just talking with him on the field about plays or in the film room, whatever it is, um, he does such a good job of breaking down what the defense is about to do, what he sees, how he wants the receivers to run it. And then I think when you have those conversations and then you go out on the field and do it, it helps build that confidence, that trust, that chemistry. That's like, okay, I'm confident Zach obviously sees it and has told me what to do and he's confident that I'm going to do what he said and stuff like that. I think that helps build the trust. Um, I, I, I'm always interested in talking to people that are first time CFLers about, uh, you know, you sort of mentioned some of the nuances of the rules. Um, mm -hmm. How uh, did you have to study it up before you actually got here? And uh, well, was there something particularly challenging? What stands out to you about the uniqueness of the Canadian game as opposed to the Fordham game that you've played all your life? Yeah, I mean, I think you obviously know uh, the, the three down, four down thing. One of the biggest things that got me is that, yeah, like you said, I was studying up before I got up here. I'm looking through the playbook. First thing I see is there's 12 people on the field. I didn't even know that. Uh, and then obviously you see that the field's bigger. Um, but then I think the, the more nuanced things is like, okay, obviously, you know, I'd watch CFL games. I see the receivers are moving to the line of scrimmage of the snap, but you don't understand, you know, the process of what goes into that or how to manipulate your waggle to help you and just really make that a huge weapon for you as a receiver. Um, so all that little stuff definitely took time in terms of studying, in terms of actually going out there and doing it, getting used to it, stuff like that. Well, Dalton, this has been so much fun having you on the program. Uh, Mike O'Shea uh, never likes to think about anything beyond the next practice or the next game, so I won't talk about the big picture, but I will ask you about uh, just the vibe in the room and how you guys are feeling going onto the road Friday night against the Edmonton Elks. I think we're feeling good, as we always do. You know, At the end of the day, I think we take the mindset that it's not really about who we're playing or what they're going to do. It's about us and our execution. You know, we have a ton of confidence that our coaches are going to put together a great game plan like they always do. And then at the end of the day, it's on us to go out there and execute and do our assignments. And I think we feel that if on any given night, if we play our best football, we're going to be good enough to win. Hey, just before we go, and again, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, have you enjoyed Winnipeg outside of uh, your football duties? Have you got out to see much of the city? Do you have a couple favorite spots already? Or uh, are you basically just living at IG Field and uh, sucking up as much info as you can and getting ready for game after game? Uh, I would say I'm definitely doing as much as I can here at IG Field to get ready for game after game, especially in this current stretch we're in. You know, we had three games in 11 days yep. or five out of six on the road. Um and so I've definitely been spending a lot of time preparing, but I definitely have had some time, you know, to go see the city or, you know, go find nice spots to eat, stuff like that. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, the uh, the place to be right now is IG Field. I know you guys are on the road a little bit, but uh, if the rest of the games are anything like Friday night, uh, hopefully we'll have some more evenings like that. And bottom line, keep talking about the Bombers. Keep putting up ticks in that win column and moving closer to a goal of another championship. Dalton, really appreciate you joining us. You've been just a great addition. Everyone in our chat's been talking about you for the first few weeks of the season. Wishing you continued success personally and for the squad. Good luck on getting to 7-0 Friday night in Edmonton. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. All right, back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. That was a quick change for those of you who are wondering, as I mentioned going in. Uh, yeah, we got a chance to hook up with Dalton show. And after yesterday's show, want to play it today. And uh, what a great, great start to his CFL career he has had.
so far. All right, we got some CFL news and uh, an AEW news, apparently. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Uh, before we do that, big shout out to our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ for locations here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, the DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Pop by today with the family for some ice cream treats, vanilla like the Bombers, or your favorite Blizzard flavor. Nothing like a Blizzard in the summer. And while you're at it, check out one of the amazing new Stack Burgers. They've got it all for Nick and Nicky DQs. Hit them up on Instagram as well, at DQ Manitoba. Order a cake for your next party, custom made for you, ready to pick up quick and easy. Your favorite Nick and Nikki DQ. Uh, might be a great night to get outside. Maybe grab a six pack of some CC and ginger and enjoy the beautiful weather. Uh, of course, a lot of people have been uh, trying it for the first time. Ready to drink, easy come, easy go at your local uh, beer store and Manitoba Liquor Marts, and of course, also available at all Winnipeg Blue Bomber games at IG Field, along with all the great tastes of Canadian Club and the Beam Suntory Factory. Canadian Club and Ginger Ale, now available, ready to drink at your local beer store. Pick it up today. All right, we will get to our Assiniboia Downs picks in a minute, as well as the latest on the cool bet lines on this very dead day in the world of sports. But uh, Remo, let's get back in here. Um, great stuff with Sean, with Brandon, and of course, really impressed with Dalton Schoen, both off on the field. And uh, what a great interview he was yesterday when uh, he joined us after the show. Yeah, we had heard so much about Dalton Schoen leading into the season. Willie J was on the show talking about how much he's impressed. And I mean, he's come out of the gate. And we were worried about the Bombers receiving group after the departures of Kenny Lawler and Darwin Adams. And I mean, he's fit in pretty well. You know, I keep getting him mixed up with Waltarski, 82, 83. But even at times, Greg Ellingson, who's rocking number two. These guys are all great hands, good route runners. And he's been targeted a lot in the end zone. I'm also a big fan of Dolan Schoen because he's been priced really low on DraftKings. Oh, all season. Not anymore. Not, Not anymore. So I've been jamming him. I've been jamming him in there uh, when I can. But... And uh, this week, you know, big favorite against Edmonton. I would think, you know, in the run game hasn't been able to go as well. So we have to wonder if he's going to see some increased targets. But also, I mean, I haven't looked at the depth charts, but there's Carlton Agudosi, my new favorite player who I think Calvin is... Calvin Johnson uh, Jr. Yeah. Um, yeah, Calvin Johnson Jr. Exactly. Or the second coming of Chris Matthews. So the Bombers receiving core, all of a sudden, very exciting. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, now, and big loss for the riders we knew this was coming um there's a lot going on with the riders they've had to cancel practice again because of uh, apparently a COVID outbreak haven't heard anything like that in a long time uh but regardless they're going to be without duke williams who has been suspended for a game should have been suspended for a game and he probably shouldn't have played in touchdown atlantic as well but in this rematch against the toronto argonauts they won't have duke williams and uh you know, coming off that loss, Saskatchewan in a bit of a tough spot, uh, you know, still with four wins on the season, but they'll be without certain players, especially one of their most important offensive weapons. And then who knows the situation with Cody Fajardo, even if he plays how healthy he is after really getting worked over by CFL defenses over the past month. 
Yeah, there was no AEW news. Just some people are asking, asking. Rumored. Uh, that was that rumored. Was, that was fake news. Visit a rumored visit to Winnipeg. Yeah, that was. Fake. Um, yeah, by the way, I guess AEW is on tonight. We'll check it out. Maybe we'll find out more. When that right. happens, that will be amazing. I've that been was... saying for a year or so. They got to get Kenny Omega's coming back very soon. Mm -hmm. So obviously they'd want to do it when Jericho's still around, when Kenny Omega's there, two of the biggest stars ever to come out of Winnipeg. Uh, and they did announce that they are coming to Canada, and Winnipeg was one of those yeah. places that they were going to go. But we don't right now have any details on uh, when and where for AEW. Yeah, someone, yeah, someone in, in chat jumped the gun. Anyways... Um, on the, what, in the CFL news? Yeah, Duke Williams, though, that's big for Saskatchewan. <laughs> if, if you want to throw down on, um, throw down on Toronto, I mean, they're still an underdog. You don't know what's going to happen with the roster with COVID. Cody Fajardo, um, he's been kind of banged up, too. Uh, I thought Toronto played them well uh, last week. It seems like the East, you know, they've been playing the West tight, but when it comes to, you know, finishing the game, um, the East team usually, usually loses, so... Uh, that'll be something to watch here going forward. More often than not. We'll get to the lines in a minute. Uh, do want to mention, folks, tomorrow we'll be getting more into the Hockey Canada situation, the fallout from uh, the uh, settlement with the in the sexual assault accusations. This is from Rick Westhead. The latest government hearings scrutinizing Hockey Canada's response to the 2018 abuse allegations begin Tuesday at 10 a.m. Witnesses scheduled to testify include Danielle Robitaille, from uh, the uh, Hockey Canada investigators, Sport Canada executive Mike Ruest, and Sport Minister Pascal Saint-Ange. And witnesses scheduled for Wednesday includes Hockey Canada Scott Smith, Tom Rennie, and Dave Andrews, CHL President Dan McKenzie, and the commissioners of the Dub, the OHL, the QMJHL, are also scheduled to testify, as are former Hockey Canada Vice President Glenn McCurdy and Barry Lorenzetti from insurance company BFL Canada. So this story continues to uh, dominate headlines on sports and newswires in Canada. And, of course, we are just weeks away from this rescheduled World Junior Hockey Championships. Many of the sponsors have backed off and removed themselves from the event. Um, so it's certainly something very noteworthy, very important in Canada for many, many reasons. And Scott Stinson's going to join us tomorrow to discuss all of that. All right, let's get to the uh, cool bet lines for tonight. Well, actually, there's not much going on tonight. If you can tell me something that I can bet on tonight, let me know. Maybe I'll put a nickel on it. I guess there's always some, like, you know, European soccer. or um, I'm actually, trying to maybe pull it up. Even that. We got any tennis matches? Uh, what do we got here? <laughs> UEFA women's soccer. That's at halftime. Who? Oh, uh, there's England a tennis... and Spain women's. It, 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 yeah, maybe a little uh, live bet on English England Spain women's soccer. Oh, there's uh, we some do other have stuff. Some tennis, Dominic Thiem. Oh, DC, DC United. United's playing Bayern Munich. Yeah, plus one thousand on DC United. <laughs> Believe in the MLS. <laughs> yeah, so there are matches. There's that that match we can watch tonight. I'd watch that. Manchester City Club America. This is sort of time where there's a number of uh, friendlies around the world. Anyways, let's do a quick update on what's up with the uh, Canadian Football League lines. Uh, it had gone from two to three. Now it's settled in at seemingly two and a half. Montreal favored over Ottawa in the early game tomorrow of uh, the TSN doubleheader. And then the late game, BC and Hamilton. And the BC Lions, who were seven-point favorites, are now eight-point favorites against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. 
Bombers, I'm a little surprised by this. Bombers opened up as eight-point favorites against Edmonton, and it's actually now at seven and a half. I thought it might go the other way. I still expect it will as we get closer to Friday, uh, but if you do want to bet the Bombers, I don't think you're getting a better number than minus seven and a half against Edmonton in that Friday night game for 8 p.m. And then... Saturday's lone game, the game we just talked about, the Riders back at home, a rematch against the Argos from uh, the uh, Touchdown Atlantic game. This game opened up as Riders minus six and a half. It's now Riders minus three and a half with the suspension to Duke uh, Williams, the COVID issues they're having with canceling practice, and the uncertainty about Cody Fajardo. All the games are there for you. 3M Open as well gets going tomorrow. If you want to put a little sprinkle on some golf, they've got all the first round matches up. And as far as the outrights, my guy Tony Finau is the favorite, along with Hideki Matsuyama at 14 to 1, Sung Jae M at 16, and then a group at 22, including Maverick McNeely, who I like in the lock shop, and Canada's Adam Hadwin as well. If you've never played a cool vet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. Get a 100% bonus up to $200 on your initial deposit. Uh, all right. To the track we go, Remo. Uh, I was goosed last night after bailing myself out with a nice win in race seven on Monday. Um, you had your biggest day of the year on Monday night and uh, continued your momentum last night, if I uh, recall correctly. Yeah, I, um, I will get you my my results here. One sec. Uh, so on Monday, I bet I had a, or $78 winner on a $10 bet uh, to win. So that was a big win. That was, I'll give a shout out to this horse. It was named Maybella. That's my, that's my horse. I bet on that one before. <laughs> I've done that. Came through for you big time with a big chunk. Yes. Half of your 20 you put on Maybella and he came through. Also a shout out to a uh, horse really slow who I bet $4 on and won. And won 21 or 22. Uh, yesterday, I, I've been having success with my $10 bets. I bet $10 on a horse. Uh, interesting times to win just because we're just living in such interesting times right now. <laughs> yeah, certainly I... with the Jets. Yes. Yeah, uh, what was <laughs> what was the, uh, what did that one pay? That one paid $30.50. So I want, I still want, I'm up 10 bucks. So I'm having a, this is my best week ever. Watch out for me. I'm coming back. Nicely and done. The, All I've right. Well, fill us in. What do you got tonight? I had, I had, By the way, it's beautiful outside. Last night, if you saw a super wet track with all the rain that went through. So certainly that changed things up a little bit. I think it should be pretty nice out tonight. And a uh, great night to go if you don't have anything. Uh, certainly, and there's nothing on TV sports-wise. So it might be a great night to go check oh, out the live racing yes. over at AS Downs. I'll just put it on YouTube on my TV, put some bets on HPI. I can I'll can go to the Downs, but also stay home. So that's actually not a bad plan. I'm You know, since my wife... Had all the correct picks last oh, week. I thought yeah, you were going to say, since my wife left me. No, that's no, obviously that. She, hasn't she had all the correct picks last week, so I'll see if she wants to have a night at the Downs at home. Nicely um, done. All right, let's go with... Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll bring up the horses. Here we go. Race two. I had to bet on this horse, uh, Purim King, uh, to win. That's a $2 bet. Um, Purim, Jewish holiday, dressed up in costumes. So I had had to bet. I've never seen a Jewish oh, horse. Interesting. So I've I had to get heard of that word before. I had to, yeah, it's a big holiday. You, you you believe that this is this is the Jewish horse and the things you yeah. gotta support. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to it. support it. It's like you know being a fan of Adam Sandler or any other <laughs> any other Jewish celebrity. I'm in on the Jewish horses. And race 
uh, three. I'm betting $3 on McCaig to win. I bet on McCaig last year, and McCaig won 15 to 1 long shot. I, I do like McCaig. And a race four, $10 on Call the Cops. Now, you said this is a bit longer than normally for Call the Cops, but I don't care. I'm betting 10 on Call the Cops to win. And my last one, race six, I'm going to win. Mean money, mean money to, to win. Attaboy. All right. I've spread this out. I'm going uh, $4 on house limit number two in race number two. Uh, race number three, we're putting four bucks on a 5-7 Quinella, golden-eyed the favorite, and diddly. Uh, diddly. In race number four. Race number four, just going with $2 on number seven, Kitan to win. Shout out Ronaldo Cumberbatch. He's on the horse tonight. He's had a great year so far as far as the jockeys go. Race number five, four bucks on number one, King Wit. You know I love the Wit horses. If I see one, I'm usually betting it. Um, one of the early favorites to win right in the mix. So we've got King Wit with four bucks to win. Um, didn't do my triactor box today because I just didn't like a third horse in race number six. Uh, but I'm going to go with the $4 Quinella, number one, True Kate, along with number seven, Zenny. And then the final, I, I very quickly put $2. I had $2 left. My final bet, oh, horse number 12. Massive race. And who knows, maybe I'll do a triactor box later on. Two and three are scratched. So there's 10 horses. But uh, high rise in the peg. Is the uh, is the horse that uh, that I'm backing? So uh, there you go. If you want to play with us and you're not able to head down to the downs, use hpibet.com, and uh, you can bet not only at Assiniboia Downs but it tracks around the world. But post time tonight is 7:30. Looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. So um, <clears throat> maybe we'll see something out there at the track tonight, Remo. A great show today. Uh, lots to continue our weekly or week-long discussions on uh, the latest in and around the Winnipeg Jets. No real news to report. With the exception, I think we mentioned this earlier on, <clears throat> Jets did dad, uh, sign a player yesterday from Europe, Saku Menelainen, who did play 34 games for the Hurricanes in 2018, went back, spent the last two seasons with Jokerit, and then was the leading scorer of Carpat in the Finnish league last year with 13 goals and 28 assists. 41 points in 47 games. Um, I would imagine he'll project to be a moose player. But, <clears throat> you know, when you look at the Jets' depth chart right now, uh, there's quite a bit of opportunity for players up front. Um, you know, you've got Perfetti, Shifley, Ehlers, Connor, Wheeler, Wheeler as of right now, but he obviously could be traded, Baron, Lowry, Harkins, and then Reichel and Tony Nato, I guess, technically signed as NHLers. And Tom Donato, I'm sure, will be with the club. Not sure about Reichel. Um, and then, obviously, the RFAs of Dubois, Appleton, and Gustafson. So there still definitely is work to do up front. If they do end up trading Blake Wheeler, I guess the big question is, what comes back? Are you taking another player with a contract? Um, or are you eating money? I think the Jets in this situation would far rather get a few bodies and spend that money that way as opposed to just paying Blake Wheeler to leave. Um, but I guess all that's up in the air. We'll be following that going forward. But uh, Menelainen had a great season last year. You know, the Jets trying to give him another crack at the National Hockey League to uh, see if he can stick around. Yeah, sure. One-year, two-way contract, 750K in the NHL, 225 uh, in the AHL. So 
we will see what you know what happens with them. But I agree. It seems like the Jets need some more uh, NHL caliber depth on forward. There is this logjam of defense. I you know I came in thinking, okay, you got to move one of these veteran D and open up spot for NHL ready, Hanela, Sandberg, and then who? What Kovacevic's waivers exempt also? Like, how do you fit? You signed Kyle Capabianco as well. I mean, how are all these guys gonna fit in? Um, so I think you know Dylan. We had heard rumors about him getting traded, and you know, shout out to Maddie Lang pointed this one out on Twitter to us. Like when you see guys like. Gustafson getting, you know, what, four by four and Sherratt getting a big deal. Like, wouldn't you rather have Dylan on a shorter term for less money? I think he would be attractive, but maybe teams are trying to f- figure out all their money situation. If you're in on the Kachuk sweepstakes now that yeah. he's told Calgary he's not going to re-sign with them, so they're exploring a trade. That just happened in the first hour of the show. And what else? Oh, yeah, Kadri out there, Klingberg out there. So maybe if a team misses out on Klingberg, Although a different type of defenseman, um, you would go for another defenseman. So I don't know. I I do think mm-hmm. I don't think the Jets are done in terms of movement, but you know, time's time's ticking here. Yeah, no, and as we talked about with the guys, I mean, some of these trades um are not easy to make, and I think there's a lot that goes into them, and they'll probably take weeks to make, and I'm sure they're in the middle of it. There's so much, so many things I'm sure discussed that we'll never find out, if only to be a fly on the wall, uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be in the finished product, and what what ends up happening with some of these players and how that changes the roster. Gotta say, Maul says, great, Jets signing another Finn to, with plans to never play him. I know you're referring to Vili Hainala. Finish forwards certainly get to play I mean, hell, Christian Veselainen had, what, 57 games last year and had one goal last year? I mean, defense, I maybe I'll give that to you, Maul. Not so much on the forward, so who knows? I mean, certainly uh, it's not as busy up front as it is on the blue line. That is for sure. Um, Great show today. Got to thank Sean Reynolds for jumping on with us from... uh, his uh, vacation out in the Okanagan. And of course, always fun to have Brandon Rewicki on. Um, shout out to Remus looking great today mm-hmm. in the uh, in the F apparel suit. I've got my F uh, duds on the way and uh, a very popular show. We kind of, we cleaned up quite well. Um, although I will admit to you folks, I did run out to uh, grab laundry down the hall and forgot that I was wearing a suit up top and uh, Crocs and shorts. And a neighbor did look at me like I was completely insane. And I just laughed and said, long story. Uh, Anyways, back in. But thanks to everyone for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. And tomorrow's going to be a big show. I know a lot of people kind of comparing what the situation is in Calgary to what's up in Winnipeg. Really looking forward to having my good friend Pat Steinberg jump on the program. He is the host of Flames Talk in Calgary. Pat's going to be with us. We'll also have Scott Stinson on the Hockey Canada developments. Murata Tesh will join us. And Murat, if you haven't already read the piece he did on the Dubois situation, along with Arpon Basu in Montreal, it is must read. We'll be talking about that and more of this Jets offseason and the situation they're in. And we'll get ready for that CFL doubleheader in the week in the league with John Hodge. And then on Friday, we'll have Scott Burnside, who had a really interesting piece today at DFO on the challenges that Canadian teams are having right now. Jeff Hamilton will join us and Eddie Tate as well. 
before the Bombers and Elks kick off on Friday night. Thanks again to all of you for making this a part of your day. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. What are you waiting for? It's completely free. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to check out the podcast as well and just have that coming in by subscribing wherever you get your favorite podcasts each and every day. For Michael Remus, a very well-dressed Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks so much for doing, uh, making us a part of your day. Have a great night tonight. Maybe we'll see you at the Downs, and if not, we'll catch you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, right here on WST. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.